Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. You think you know the Power Athlete HQ crew? I think you've heard all the stories. Think again. This week, a very special episode takes you deep into the history and untold stories of the Power Athlete crew. That's right, friends. Three glorious hours of incriminating shit has been carefully edited down to a digestible two hours of moderately embarrassing shit. Join Luke and Tex on this adventure down memory lane, unearthing some of the dirty little secrets from the office, gym, and on the road. Learn how the power athlete philosophy was developed as a result of numerous scribbled-on bar napkins, long departure gate debriefs, and hundreds of interviews with people a whole hell of a lot smarter than us. This Memorial Weekend, we remember service and sacrifice. Why not also take a dip into the hot tub time machine that is Power Athlete Radio, episode 209. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of year, week again? It's that time of week again. You have Luke Summers, also known, I guess, on Instagram as the Luke Summers. My girlfriend finally figured out that's my fucking she's like (laughs) did you do that because of the ryan merriman who's a buddy of ours and um he's he's a hollywood actor tex just like famous friends just like tate fletcher is the guy who always gets killed in every action movie i just watched jurassic world go on ryan merriman he also got killed in um uh fast eight which i just watched but uh the ryan merriman has been cast as traditionally the southern racist So he's a typecast. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he's a buddy of ours. And she's like, is that why you renamed the Luke Summers? I'm like, no, it's because the Dave Castro. No, it's because I'm not in California anymore. Where are we at? You are, you are here with Luke and Tex. We're in Austin, Texas, bringing you another episode oh. of the premier podcast in Strength, Strength and, and Conditioning. conditioning. Where's the echo? Uh, it's over. But uh, so, if, Tex, I don't know if you know this, but I like I got a little thing going on with the respiratory. Can you hear that? Can you hear like that's your beard like tickling? The mic. <laughs> so I was over at Jay Welly's with a Cub Cadet push string mower, and I went was like doing a, a whole bunch of uh, cutting a bunch of like weeds and grass. I don't know. John's like just cut all that down, and dude, I hit something that exploded like a dust bomb. And breathed it all in. And now, like, I've got some respiratory issues. So I'm not going to be... Pollen. It might be. I might not. I'm just... My Metcons have really suffered. (laughs) And then, is this before or after? Uh, This was before that. Yeah. Good point. So now your Metcons are really suffering. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what we're doing today. We have been... Like, honestly, it's been maybe a six-month process. I have a, a whole new respect for people who do like copywriting and editing for books, right? Because what we have whipped together is 140,000 words. Was that, is that the right number? 140,000? No, that's too high. Is it 40,000? 40,000. So I put 100 on top. It's just a kind of thing you do when you're telling stories. But that's including <laughs> volume two. Uh-huh. Of, uh, of our Power Athlete Methodology workbook. And dude, Tex and I are going through, we printed them out. They hit the, the proofs hit our front door uh, just a couple days ago. We're printing it out and, and Tex and I are reading through this thing going, man. Like, so here's the thing. I kicked this thing off in 2011, right? That's when I pulled my ripcord and went into Fantasyland, Never Neverland. And, and if I could have just had this fucking book back then, Tex, and I know you, you were thinking the same thing. And, uh, you know, so Tex and I started to reminisce, you know, like you kids, ha- how, you know, when I was a kid, you know, up 
I had to walk up the hill in the wind both ways with no snowshoes just to learn how to run a seminar, right? Which now is basically an autopilot deal. Text, we could drop you anywhere at any time and you could go for 20 hours and put the seminar in, right? Proof. Yes. And then uh, even if we partitioned that seminar and wanted you to talk on one subject, warm-ups for 20 hours, could you do it? Yeah. I'll tell you an example is the floor press video on CrossFit HQ's YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. which has turned into the most controversial movement in all of CrossFit. So I've shocked. Yeah. I've, I've taken that crown from the sumo deadlift high pole and put it on the floor (laughs) press. If you want to check out the YouTube comments, go ahead and uh, maybe leave me some positive because last comment I read was somebody tell Frodo to shut up after that. I figured (laughs) it's probably not good for me, but that segment is a part of a whole different or a whole uh, just gambit of segments, especially on skill transfer, which I guess those people don't understand. But. Yeah, no, listen, the, the YouTube commenters, as everybody knows, are the cesspool of the internet, the lowest life form uh, that you can get in, tor- in sort of any sort of online fucking dialogue. Well, anyway, so here's what we decided to do, because we were, fu- we were sitting around chit-chatting, talking about just like th- this, this workbook, this workbook, brought back all sorts of memories like here's what i had to do to learn this and then it just kind of went into like story time right and then uh it was actually pretty good we're like let's just fucking record a podcast right now yeah so that's what we're doing maybe it's the release of the methodology but we've been getting people just sending us resumes oh yeah Mm -hmm. so it kind of got us laughing and then luke has passed along his his emails to john Uh uh-huh so go ahead and kick off. How did you All find right, well, this here's job the opening? Thing. So like this is kind of, you know, here's a here's a segment from our seminars. We always like to get to know the audience and uh, we reciprocate. Right. So we get an intro from the folks there. And since we hold the stage, we abuse our power and force down their uh, throats or in their ear canals our story of how this whole thing short, sort, sorted out. So I don't know if you people know this. All right. So I was born. In 1982, here's my uh, fast forward. <laughs> I was born in 1982 in Naperville, Illinois, the Paris of the Midwest. Fast forward to third grade, and that's when I started to play football. And I played football all the way up till college, and then had to hang up the old football pads because I developed hypolordosis of the cervical spine, which is a fancy way to say my neck curved the wrong way. Um, I don't know how. A lot of speculation. I was a big computer gamer. So it could have been poor posture sitting at a computer fucking eight hours a day, right? Or it also could have been a lot of the anterior contact and overdevelopment from football because I was a, you know, I was a head weapon guy. Like even at fourth grade, I'm trying to, you know, break kids' skulls. I learned it from a kid named Mark Bauman who concussed me when I was 10, right? So anyways, uh, but I had overdeveloped anterior neck muscles, which reversed cervical spine and the, the, the curve in the C-spine and then that caused on high contact scenarios the the base of my brainstem to tap into the atlas of my vertebrae, right? So there's no pain associated with it, but that shock and that contact is not natural. So the natural response for your brain is to shut off. And then it fires back up, but like a computer, a lot of things kind of boot up in sequence. So things like motor control were first. So I could keep I would keep running and I would do something and it looked like a fucking zombie out there right uh but then next thing to come back would be hearing then taste then smell 
then vision. So like uh, there was times I was playing blurry and blind and like I just fucking dude when you're a kid it's like you get your bell rung, right? So how does this have to do with anything? Let me tell you people. So I had to hang this sucker up, go to college and you still bang weights, right? Uh all I knew is what my coaches taught me when I was in high school, which, would, you know, I had a pretty sharp dude, uh, but most of the big lifts, but I ditched that because you're going for all the bodybuilder shit. Right. And you already had a tribal. Yeah. So you have a tribal. So you're obliged to have <laughs> fucking 17 inch pythons. You peaked at 18. I peaked at 18, <laughs> which is partially true. Okay. Cause I peak at 18 every time I do a double overhead bicep. Okay. Um, but uh, fast forward, get a math, computer science degree, and like, what do you fucking do with that? I joined corporate America. You join corporate America, low-level fucking data guy, long story short, start working my way up, uh, kind of a little fast-track deal and get myself into the Midwest dream, middle management, right, Tex? What does that mean? I got people working under me, right? I'm fucking making a difference. I'm making people rich, right? I'm doing, I'm pricing parts for a truck company. But you just fucking, dude, with every promotion, you make another 10 grand a year, which is sweet. But you also work another hour a day is like kind of how it shakes out. So you go through, you're making six figures, but you're working fucking 12 hours a day, dude. I needed a release. So where do I find? Uh, you know, Triathlon. Exactly. So two, three years into this, I'm, I'm, pop, I'm popped up a couple levels. And I'm like, fuck, man, I got to do something. I'm losing my fitness. You know, this is probably 2004. Five, uh, six or it's gotta be 2006, 2005, 2006. Okay. So I run a triathlon with my buddy, Tom. And like, first off, I don't know if you people have ever met me. Let me describe my build all torso, no fucking arms and legs and very dense. Right. So running for distance is not my thing. You know, a 15 yard box. That's my thing. That's where I'm quick. That's where I'm lethal. Text. You heard it there. Lethal. Within that dynamic, that's why I'm so great at spike ball. Texas is really not that good, okay? But, um, you know, it's like you fucking do this thing, and I'm thinking that this is my answer, Texas. My calling, I finally found how to be fucking in shape, right? And, uh, you know, I finished that first triathlon, and I'm fucking walking around proud as hell with holding the medal that every fucking dipshit who even signed up for that fucking thing even if they got carted off and didn't finish, they get this fucking medal. And I like believe like I've done something, you know, and I guess I have. I don't want to downplay it. It was a lot of like I did the bike swim run fucking uh, general progression I found on the Internet, you know, for some triathlon website. But I did it. I stuck to it. I dedicated to a training or I was, you know, dedicated training protocol, which is, I guess, the right direction, you know. And about this time is when fucking 300 was launched. And you look at Leonidas and you're going, I won't be that fuck. I won't be Spartan shredded. And you could do the Google. And what did you find back then? Tex? Steroids. No, maybe. Well, I didn't. I found Dan John and I found CrossFit. And I just, one of the guys at work had a buddy who knew a guy who ran a CrossFit shop in the back of a bike, bike shop in St. Charles, Illinois, in a gym called CrossFit Tri-Cities. And it was no bigger than the fucking living room here, dude. I'm telling you, it was like 20 by 30. And it was just a dingy old fucking concrete floor. It was like it was like fucking Lou's basement in Fight Club. So I'm like, who's Lou? I'm fucking Lou. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> but um, I'll just kind of fast track this. I get my fucking ass kicked in by an old lady named Linda, Linda. Uh, on my first Metcon, and I'm like, something kind of just over. Like, wait a minute, what just happened? I did I trained for the triathlon. I just did it. I'm in shape. 
like I thought I was. What the fuck happened? Mark uh, Ranky, who was running CrossFit China Cities at the time, I think he still is involved. Um, he told me what's up. And, you know, here's the What is Fitness article by Greg Glass. When you find CrossFit, yada, yada, yada. Like, my whole perspective has changed. So that's, like, waypoint number one, right, is fucking getting corporate America, being miserable, finding CrossFit. Because a year or so later after that, I'm commuting 40 minutes each way just to go to this gym, which in the winter is fucking hard. And then as, again, you move up that corporate ladder, there's less and less time availability because he didn't do AM classes. His last class was 8 p.m. So I I could sometimes make it there by eight. So Jim opens up CrossFit Naperville right down the street from my house that I bought, which is part of the Midwest dream. Buy a car, get a dog, get a girlfriend, buy a house. So I did those things and uh, get a corporate gig and fucking have them suck the life out of you. Uh, these, that's the, that's, that's the fifth. That's the fifth. Fifth. And uh, so long story short, this thing's literally a mile away from me. And I start like, I just go fucking balls deep in the CrossFit thing. And the, the owner of that gym hooks me up with getting the cert. Then I become a coach. And he's only doing evening hours three days a week. So that's what I'm doing. And uh, talk to my bosses. And we learn, we figure out a flex. They let me come in at 7 o'clock. And I can get out by 6 o'clock. Right? Uh, that's for my corporate gig. And then basically I'm bookending those days as the gym grows in hours with coaching. Right? And I fucking go balls deep in this thing, man. I'm loving it. I'm loving helping these, these fucking... These people who are walking in the gym that are literally like some, some of them absolutely helpless and you fucking, you change that. Are you coaching in slacks? Uh, in the morning. Yeah. And then I'd show up and get in, you know, Superman, pull off my suit and, uh, and fucking get into the, you know, at the time there's no fucking Metcons. Dude, I was wearing like Puma shoes and fucking basketball shorts. Oh, Metcon shoes. Yeah. Okay. And uh sleeveless fucking cut off sleeveless tees or obviously topless. Oh, you know, no sleeveless Under Armors. Yeah. So that's dude. That was basically my life before the awakening. Right. So I I know that's a different side than what you were doing back then. Right. Completely. Yeah. So you're fucking you're you were in the game of like from the start wanting to train people. Right. Uh, Not not people, but empower athletes, athletes. Yeah. Like taking athletic approach to training because that's all there was yeah so uh collegiate athlete mm-hmm. well it, i did so i was in collegiate training camp and i did do triple days i did do hell week and then we did first day of pads and i took on a fucking uh, uh yeah a pulling tackle and i was you know i was the smallest guy on the team because this was also like you know like i don't know i'm going to college i wanted abs i'd never fucking had like abs so i just you're just such a douchey fucking kid at you know 18 years old you know what i mean <sighs> no i don't out. sorry uh, well i was okay <laughs> so i fucking you know i wait i walked around at 220 in high school it was a fucking pipe hitter dude so i get neck rehab and i did go through triple days and did everything. The first day of pads is like, you know, it's the welcome to the jungle. Fucking all the older guys are face painted. They're going to beat down the fucking freshmen. And I'm like, dude, listen, I don't get bullied. And I'm fucking, I'm going to smash people. I am. I'm going to. I'm fucking chomping at the bit. So this big old fat fucking lineman. Uh, you remember his I, name? Yeah. Uh, he wasn't big and fat, though. He was pretty jacked. <laughs> uh, Nick. It'll come to me. But anyways, he pulls and he fucking goes to crack on me. And uh, they wanted they wanted to uh, they were called teaching wrong arming. So I was playing basically a defensive end down, 
Yeah. And they wanted me to wrong arm the trap. So I, I, and I was good at that. So I went and I, I blew this guy up is what I was thinking. But what ended up happening is the condition that I had developed, uh, there was swelling of the brainstem, there was scar tissue that didn't show up on the CAT scan. So even though I'd fixed the curve in my spine, it was still fucking popping on the Atlas and I went dark. And uh, unbeknownst to me, my mom had a fucking, as she should, a secret meeting with the coach that said, if he fucking blacks out, he's done, you know? So pile on, I'm down for a minute or two, get back up, everything's fine like it used to be. Coach called me off and is just like, hey, you know, can't have you. So I was a D3 athlete, but never played. <laughs> Sorry, text to interrupt you. Go. No, so you were cut. Just so the listeners. They offered sure. me They offered me a manager spot. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. Or, that you know, interestingly enough, uh, they did say, you know, try being an athletic trainer. Both of which, well, manager first off would be worse. The second lowest level. I, of life form is the assistant fucking ATC. I disagree. You don't think so? I think ATC is worse than manager. Well, you know, it's for double D. I like the guy, and I don't want to put him in the cesspool. There's some good ATCs out there, but I'm telling you, just in terms of respect, yeah, yeah, they're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, fair enough. Which I respect them for. Yeah. They still do their <laughs> job. Sorry. To, so, yeah, Tex was a real athlete, I guess, playing a real uh, sport, a.k.a. The, fucking patty cake. Oh, my God. Lacrosse. It is such a high-level skill. And right now we're looking at championship season. So if you get the opportunity, games are actually on TV. Mm-hmm. Invest in just a quarter or half of lacrosse. It's fast. It's fun. It's an amazing sport. And it's blowing up. It's definitely the future as kind of concussions, football starts to um, go by the wayside and parents are looking for another opportunity. Lacrosse is it. Um, so uh, just to, I'm Katie, Texas. Growing up, all you do is lift weights, run as fast as you can and play your sport. So I had the opportunity to kind of take sport to college. And we started a lacrosse team in Katy. And five of the ten of us, we went on to play at college at some level, whether that's kind of club ball at Texas um, or a few D3 all-stars were made, including myself. So get to college expecting, all right, all my boys that are playing football at Texas, they're getting these programs. Like, all right, some are lifting. Yeah, I didn't get anything. Okay, so just did what they did, trained with them, um, had some D3 guys, Trinity College, and just we did football drills. So I was doing football training for lacrosse, and I went in my freshman year, probably the most athletic, because my training looked like football um, versus just running the miles, which was then forced upon us at college. But we didn't have a strength and conditioning coach. We didn't have a strength and conditioning facility. There was a fitness center at school. But that was just ellipticals and, you know, patty cake dumbbells. Hmm. No squat rack. So I approached the assistant coach, like, what, what can we do about squat racks? And he's like, uh, let, me, let me ask around. So he was dual wielding as assistant coach high school, assistant coach college, because not paying much. Yeah, yeah. And this kid is actually interested in getting better versus a lot of the kids we were playing with. Like, great time, no disrespect, they get it. I mean, we partied hard. This is, uh, we love to say that our drinking team had a lacrosse problem. Yeah. Uh, but I still wanted to win. So um, talked to this coach, finally get a squat rack donated from a high school, bring it in, and it was just lifting rusty weights that were uh, not even good enough for a high school, which I'm happy to do. So it was four years of that, would just uh, essentially lead by example, take on, if kids were interested in lifting, I'd tell them we're doing this after practice, we're doing that. So 
assume the role of the strength and conditioning coach, but just basically being a team captain. So I was team captain for three years, and um, not a lot of kids were interested in lifting. So I began to kind of force it on the freshmen. Is that's the only thing that they know. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're partying on Saturdays. You know, kind of contradicting the the effort and the work we're putting into it, not going full measure. I mean, D three, we had the opportunity to enjoy college a little bit, but um, still was an interest. And I think the moment I realized, like the the effort, the work that we're putting in it wasn't transferring to the field. And I started asking all these questions uh, was I played defense, defensive midi, basically linebacker with a stick, short stick. And I got one-on-one against the, an attackman just off a defensive switch. So I was mismatched. And this guy was probably, probably equal size to me, but he basically bodied me down, like backed me in like basketball. And I couldn't, I didn't have the strength didn't have the strength to kind of position him the way he needed to got into a one-on-one situation with the goalie and uh, just got scored on the doorstep. So the goalie grabs my face mask and he's like, I've seen you bench 315 fucking pounds. Get this guy off of me. And I was helpless. I was completely overpowered despite of all the weights I lifted, despite of all the work that went in outside of skill work and sport practice. I was overpowered. So, uh, I've been outrun, I've been overpowered, I've been basically manhandled in every respect in terms of performance trait that mm-hmm. we could talk about. So I ask all these questions, like, is it is it the mental side of the game? So I started reading, like, Mind Gym, all this shit, because from my perspective, which is, was limited, I had all the physical attributes, but I was still failing on the field. So again, one, two, three more years of this, and then I got the opportunity to be a assistant coach so grad assistant kind of school paid for and having fun but like I didn't start playing lacrosse till I was 16 so I was recruiting kids that knew more about the sport were highly more skilled than me so what did I know lift weights run as fast as you can did I know everything no but shit we're gonna outwork everybody and I'm gonna make people work so that's the responsibilities I took as the assistant coach and then my first formal strength session which we never had before so I had the whole team under my control. And mind you, this is the same school. So these were my former teammates. They were my friends. We we're still hanging out, but now they were my athletes. So I had a responsibility to these guys. And I asked them to kick up into a handstand because we didn't have a weight room. We didn't have a vertical press opportunity. So what do we do? I still hold on handstands. So I, <clears throat> so I asked the kid to kick up. I asked the whole team to kick up. But one of the kids, uh, a senior, his last opportunity to play ball. We're not going pro. This is D3. And then he tears his rotator cuff, kicking up into a handstand. And he falls down, and I, like, run over to talk some shit because he's being weak, right? But no, he was actually injured. So I got to go get the trainer, and I'm thinking, holy shit, what did I just do? And it's that moment that I realized I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I have to find someone who does. Mm-hmm. So I'd never had direction, never had a coach. It was just dealing programs for my boys that were playing college ball. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, when I had that moment of enlightenment that you were discussing. Yeah, and you know, so you're coming in it from a, <clears throat> excuse me, a coach's side. For me, I guess it was selfish. But and you're, you know, you're kind of wound in because you're you're a member and a coach <clears throat> of the team. But I, you know, and we had this talk about you don't really appreciate the difference between 
work capacity and replication of speed until what was the term you used? Overpower. Outrun. Exactly. And, and, I, it, and I can remember because I was in, dude, I was in the proverbial best shape of my life. As you, as you put that paradigm over our understanding of fitness through CrossFit, right? Which is increased work capacity, broad times, mobile domains. I'd been in this game doing the CrossFit gig for like four years. And I went, dude, I went fucking hard. And you're, you're a leader in the gym. I'm dedicated. I'm pushing it. You know, back in the day, this is before fucking people were really good, but I was decent, you know, decent quote unquote fire breather in the Midwest region. Right. Um, I was no Pete Rasmussen who's fucking baller. Dude, he's a guy that like this is pre you know early days. Let's get baseball kid fucking out of out of crazy. But anyways, I played flag football though, and that was ever since I got me and a couple of buddies started flag football team. Got pretty competitive. Got to the national level, and as we as we got better and better, I got fitter and fitter. Right. Interestingly enough, that didn't fucking translate to my performance on the field. And you talk about overpowered. There's two moments where I was overpowered and outrun. Okay. The first moment was our, we used to do a five on five indoor league and I played nose tackle and center. Okay. And then I'd fucking pop back, do some, uh, anyways, usually the center is the most athletic person on the field, which is me and most versatile, which is me. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you the truth. These are real people say this. <laughs> are you allowed to go out on like a, a pass route as a center? Yeah. Yeah, so this is like seven, not seven on seven. No, no, all linemen are eligible. Okay. So, but uh, you know, I had pretty decent hands and I had pretty decent. I was a pretty decent lineman, but there was one day where a fucking kid, some you know, I say kid, even though I was a kid, just fucking ragdolls me and tea kettles me effortlessly. Explain. So In I detail. come out and I go for the punch and I'm fucking. It's just head on bull rush, right? So I come out of my stance, throw the snap back. And I punch, and he just grabs under, like grabs my fucking uh, my pecs. You're right? fat. No, this is these are fucking muscles. Because back then we did push-ups, lots of them. Okay, uh, so he grabs them and literally picks me up and like it, it put, laid me down like a, a, a young child, trying not to hurt me too bad, and then just stepped over me. And my fucking <laughs> buddy, who was my training partner at the time, who he played. Um, he played nose tackle at Wes- Illinois Wesleyan. He's a D3 All-Star. Literally, legitimately played, though. But it's Wesleyan. Like, there's a lot of Wesleyans. <clears throat> but was, uh, you know, I think he's like seven or eight years older than me. He's big boy. Big fucking. Like, he was a, just a lineman. And he was fucking a line, Like, big boy. He looked at me. He said, what the fuck? That never happens again. Enough with this stupid fucking dieting paleo shit. In the middle of the game. Because I had been on, like, a paleo challenge. This is when I was 186 pounds. And I got fucking ragdolled. And I'm like, that's not good. Okay. Uh, so, but just preceding that was maybe two months earlier. I was in uh, St. Louis, Missouri for a flag football tournament. And dude just was getting outrun, getting outrun. I was slower and I'd never been the slow guy. You know what I mean? But I was yeah. a fucking slow guy. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm, uh, you know, I just competed in fucking the sectionals or whatever it was back then. And I, I placed the top 50. Like, what's going on? You know? But there you go, outrun and overpowered. So selfishly for me, you know, that's about the time we started training. Me and my buddy Ben started training CrossFitFootball.com workouts. And Neil had been, the guy who was running the gym, was being courted by John in the booking process. 
which anyone who has gone through that is just like <laughs> a barrage of emails that eventually go dark for some reason because I, I, I don't know, people. If you've ever been – like if I've been running your booking and have just gone dark for six months, I apologize. It's like I'm like a house cat. I see something shiny and I fucking run and I forget everything else I was just doing. What were we talking about? But that was that was the – when – you know, I didn't realize it then, but I can appreciate – being overpowered and being outran and knowing that what I can do in the gym and what my fitness levels are, are, are in, not correlated to at all to, to your ability to perform on field. Right. So, but this epiphany doesn't come to light until February, 2011, which is when we hosted a CrossFit football seminar at our gym. And that's when Roth, Kate, John, and Ben, the dream team came out because we had 50 fucking people there to put on a fucking seminar. Didn't you sneak some guys in? Well, they were handling the registration. So there was just like five people in the back hanging out. They weren't taking notes. And honestly, like, I don't know. Right now, I don't know what I would do right now if people said that. Like, did that with me running a don't seminar? Don't say that. Uh, I'd probably beat their fucking asses. There you go. You know, stab them in the throat. But, um, yeah, so we started training the program and, you know, started on the collegiate. Because we're elite. I was a collegiate athlete. Oh, no. Right? Don't. Guy's a mistake. Don't do that. But we go to the seminar and learn we're dipshits. And you oh, learn. so you started just off the website. I thought you said after the seminar. No, 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 no. Before okay. the seminar, okay. we were following the program for maybe a year. Okay? And during that time as well, so this is after I've been tea-kettled. I've, I'm also due for another triathlon because I've kept fucking doing that shit. Okay? But I, I did it after following CrossFit football and beat my previous fucking time. No I'm, bike swim I'm sure run. you look better. No, yeah, I did to a point. Dude, this is a true story as well, and I'll show you these pictures. I'm, I'm cool. To the point where there is a guy in the crowd who is taking just pictures, and he started taking pictures of me, and he thought I was. I'm telling you, dude. I'll pull he wanted this to fucking, paint a picture of you. Yes, he did. Or draw and you. He, he was the type you. of guy who would like to go out with me and maybe buy me a <laughs> nice steak dinner. Okay. And never call you again. Yeah. Well, I think he would call me again, but he sent me these pictures and he's like, you were the most spectacular specimen at this. How did he get your email? Because he took a picture of me in a CrossFit Naperville shirt and then did his due diligence to find me on Facebook and sent me the fucking pictures. And yeah, I was fucking jacked. Well, now we're going to have to put those photos up. I will. I'll find them. I still got, I, you know, what's funny is that, you know, he was openly gay. He's like, I'm a gay man. I have no interest in like, uh, you know, I know this is probably weird for you, but I just really admire your fucking physique. This is so I, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, this is so uncomfortable to say on fucking airwaves. And I hit him back because, listen, I'm not the type of guy who's going to be like, fuck you, fuck this guy. So I hit him back. I'm like, hey, man, thanks for the compliments. Uh, kind of weird. Yeah, but you seem like a nice guy. I appreciate you sending the pictures. And he hits me back. He's like, wow, I wasn't even expecting you to respond. And then, boom, next thing you know, dude, I've stayed in touch with the guy legitimately for the past fucking eight years over Facebook. At least once or twice a year, we pen pal each other. Did you get him off the – did you get him into, like, becoming a CrossFit photographer? Uh, no. he's uh, He ended up being, like, some big wig at a hotel concierge oh, service. So Real life. Real yeah. job. Well, and, like, listen, quid pro quo, man. I give this guy these pics. He can do whatever he wants with them. I told him, like, hey, maybe sometime you get me a free room in Chicago or something like that. Or take pictures of me on horseback. Hmm. That's the guy? <laughs> no. Oh. We ended up going with a different, which is having people. All right. Anyways, back on track, dude. So we go to the seminar, and, dude, I sit front row. I take the, mo- I, I take the most notes. 
I've ever taken in a, through uni, through anything in a two day course. And I'm just enamored. And, uh, you know, at the time there was not a lot of resources out there for, for the CrossFitter who wanted to self-educate. So you couldn't really tie all you could tie your, your ship to was the, the forums on crossfithq.com and like raw wolf for nutrition. But that was about it. Cause and then talk to me, Johnny, John's blog, uh-huh. which, you know, veered in and out of strength, strength in like zombie apocalypse. It was great. Don't get me wrong. But like you, you pick up nuggets there and even that is just over your head. Cause you don't know. You're not to a point where you can learn until you go to this fucking seminar. Mm-hmm. Right. And dude, I walked out of that seminar feeling betrayed. Not by the, not by the staff, oh. but by like maybe myself, maybe CrossFit HQ, to be honest with you, because they like, or the CrossFit network, I should say, because everybody had put out all this fucking information that was just like, it was opinion. It was speculation. It was based off the idea of constantly very functional movements formed at high intensities and functional movements being quarter extremity movements. Case in point is the fucking bench press, the floor press, like you talked about. Oh, it's not quarter. Back then it was not quarter extremity. So you, it was no longer functional. So it had no business in programming. And then you hear a seminar, wrap this whole thing up and tie it together and package it together. And back then, you know, athleticism wasn't the paradigm. It was just big, strong, fast, hard, heavy, fast. It, yeah. We, we had two different seminar experiences, mm-hmm. but the same theme, the same objective, the same goal. Right. So, you know, that's when I walked away from that realizing like, my path had changed. My trajectory had shifted, right? And that was Feb 2011. And I know you hit the seminar before De- I did. December 2009. Yeah. So, yeah, you're, I mean, you're in on the on the ground level. I think it was seminar number five. Fives. And, um, yeah, my moment, like, uh, like quake, quake moment that changed the whole perception of my thinking became, came in the first lecture and John's ath- athlete pyramid, right? Um, so it was the theme of posture and position, right? And John's link from the weight room to the field, right? Why do we lift weights? And nobody answered, right? But the answer is as simple as to challenge your posture and position. And then he gave his examples of stepping in the bucket as an, as a offensive tackle, right? So you externally rotate with, um, externally rotate your feet, right? Toes out. So that, uh, that kind of turns off your hips, turns off your hamstrings, turns off your posterior chain, and a defensive lineman is able to get around you versus you just stepping back deep, deep, deep. So if you lose your position, your foot position on the field as an offensive tackle, then you lost the battle, you lost the fight. I immediately connected with my experience as a defensive midfielder, right? So if we look at a lacrosse goal, it's six by six. And if I had my position, if uh, my offensive opponent is standing directly in front of the goal, he's got a six-by-six opportunity to score with a little person inside, right? Alex Hammer, freaking uh, D3 all-star himself, my goalie. And then my responsibility as a defensive midi was to drive them down the sides, left or right. So I can turn that six-by-six window into three-by-six with a person or one-by-six. So I take away their angles. If I lose my position, right, he puts a move on me, turns inside, kind of crosses me over, does something to increase that one-by-six and get as much opportunity as he can. That's his job, is to make me lose my position. I can maintain it, so I'm challenging it. So it was that connection from the weight room to the field. Why do we lift weights? 
purely to challenge your posture and position. Fuck numbers. Mm -hmm. And then we went into the kind of the breakdown of, uh, I also had a, I never had a good shot. Again, I'm the worst lacrosse player, uh, but I'll outwork you any day of the week. So I also had uh, just problems with my shot and making connections there, but then we did all of Raf's kind of stuff on the floor. So it really opened up some windows of how weak my trunk was in all planes of motion. And if you think about a shot, you're moving through all planes of motion. So it was just all these light bulbs going out of all the questions that I had as a player, all the questions I was attempting to figure out as a coach. And it's just this movement-based system just freaking quaked everything and changed my trajectory as a coach. And the beauty is I had all these D3 athletes to go and take this program back to and figure shit out and fail because I had a lot of, and I hate this uh, perspective as a coach and I don't recommend it for everybody, but back then it's all I had. I had the opportunity to break a lot of eggs to make an omelet and our guys didn't take training seriously. So it allowed me an opportunity to fail and find a voice as a coach find a way to communicate the stuff to gain investment from kids that were not into strength training. Lacrosse, there is no weightlifting associated with. So you get all these kids that are, this is their first exposure to weightlifting. Awesome. We're doing freaking bedrock. And I'm going to find a way to get you invested. So it's um, an opportunity not a lot of people have that I'm very grateful for. So now I want to accelerate coaches past that opportunity. Don't take three years to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Take two days, take our, our freaking uh, PAM one course to really find your voice, gain an understanding, and then accelerate your ability to communicate that. What do we see now? Well, what was the experience taking this information back to a box? Well, you know, you talk about the aha moment, and mine's, mine was totally different. Uh, well, first off, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, the primal talk, and I did not fucking get it. Like, I just did not get it. So... I wasn't even at a point to understand that, okay? But I appreciated I appreciated the position from the force bleed demo, right? I understood the warm-ups presented limiting factors, and I understood they were the fixes, so just do these things. Yeah. Right? Um, why would you waste time with lightweights and repetitive movement? I got that. Those are the things that immediately I knew to implement right away. Okay. But what really struck a chord with me, cause I was struggling, like, I don't know. Uh, I, I went through this, you know, everybody, why do, why do, why do people come to CrossFit gym? Uh, get fit or they saw it on TV. Or they want fitness friends. or what do they really want? Apps. Yes. It was, va- it's vanity. They want to look good. Right. So you understand that you start understanding that and you become you become a consumer of your product and you show your people it's possible. They just do what the fuck you tell them to do, right? And so what was I doing to do that? Just high volume, fucking caloric restriction. I was the nutrition guy. So like, you know, if you starve yourself and you do a lot of work, guess what happens? You fucking lose weight and you get a, a, a that body image you're looking for. And performance increases in the beginning. Uh, Maybe, yeah, a little bit, right. Well, that's what they say about kind of anorexic athletes believe yeah. any food disorder yeah yeah so you like you're you feel like you're doing better and then more is more okay um the line that resonated with me was form follows function right which is an architecture term that i i don't know i looked it up and it was, oh did you yeah well there you go people and that's one of the key phrases we mention at every seminar is form 
follows function. If you want to look like a muscular fucking behemoth, guess how you got to train? Like the muscular behemoths, right? If you want to look like a starved anorexic CrossFitter who gets tea-kettled at a fucking flag football with some fucking dopey fucking asshole, train like a starved anorexic CrossFitter. And John told the story of a dude who was just like a guy whose head wasn't screwed on tight, uh, was a father of three, and was just totally wrapped around the axle about abs. And he's like, you know, John, I need your help. I'm trying to get abs. I'm trying to look like a man. Do I look like a man to you? And sends him these fucking pictures of him in underwear. And John, like... He tells us at the seminar. Yeah. He's like... <laughs> and and I'm like... Uh, he's like, you know, this guy's... In the, so John has... Anyone who's been to a seminar with John, he has a... He goes into these... Uh, parables. Is it a parable text? Well, they're true stories. Okay. So we got to look that up. But parables usually... A, a story to tell, to weave and tell your, your moral, your theme or your, mm -hmm. but they're true. Point. So he's going and you're, you're failing to see the connection. Right. And then he makes it right. He's talking about this guy and, uh, you know, it's just, he, he's, he, this, this dude is not seeing the forest for the trees essentially. Right. Or I maybe said that backwards, but irrelevant going forward. And he's like, you know, and everybody's like laughing, like not seeing where this fucking going and, and he's talking about how he tried to help this guy. The guy got back on track. Things are going well. He's lifting heavy weights. He's doing the power athlete diet. And then he spins off the axle because he steps on the scale and he's five pounds heavier. Right? So the guy's finding the body image he wants, but the scale kind of overwhelms him. So the lesson of the, the deal was two things, right? Form follows function and don't be weird. Because when you start sending me fucking nudie pictures of you and your underpants trying to be a Calvin Klein model and starving yourself. That's a little weird, right? So that's, those were like kind of, and I'm like, I'm the fucking weird guy. I'm being weird. And not, not that I'm sending yet John pictures of myself in tidy whiteies. It's just like, I'm fucking tripping out on fucking everything at this point. Tex. And you still have your corporate gig at this point. Right? Yes. And a tribal armband. Okay, which is a lot of pressure. Never leaves you. <laughs> but I'm like I'm to the point where I'm listening to the Rob Wolf Paleo Solution, you know, back when it was him and uh, fuck his before Greg Everett, like, you know, way Andy Deeds, I think. Um, anyways, but they're talking about like charred meat having free radicals and affecting longevity. So then I stopped cooking my meat on a grill and all I did was slow cook and da 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 like just dude, just taking it to the fucking extremes. Right. And uh, I just I was, you know, the fucking cool term. The hashtag now is woke. Like I was woke. It fucking woke me up, dude. And I'm like, you know what I did after that is a started banging heavy weights. Just follow the fucking program. Go back on the amateur progression. Eat what you eat with abandon. Stay within this food group. And within fucking months, dude, I got out of my starved state fucking pipe hitter back on the flag football deal. Just like crushing kids. Right. So. But how does that go into the box? Basically, all I did, because I was in charge of programming, fucking pulled the ripcord. Neil was there, too. We, we actually collaborated on the programming. So, like, he would go, and we would discuss. I would go, we would discuss type deal. We just implement, we put a lift in. Our metcods were hard, heavy, and fast. And we implemented the warm-ups that we remembered. Because it was like drinking out of oh fire hose back then. Because there was, there was literally, because I, I had to catalog and those. you're using literally correctly yeah, here. Over 70 different variations of warm-ups. 
Okay, so what do you take away? Maybe 10%. So you get Deadbug, Spider-Man, fucking Pillars, you know, and that was about it. So we implemented these things in and uh, and our people got better. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what the long term of that was because it was just a few months later that fucking John wrote that blog post, right? So I don't know, after you walked away from the seminar, where did it go with your team? Um, just again, mediocrity, but I blame that on recruiting because I'm a terrible recruiter. I won't blame the head coach. Uh, so we, um, we instituted kind of the, the amateur progression and we, we created kind of some mentally tough individuals. So that, that, however, did not translate um, into over to the field per se. So it was still trying to solve that problem. Uh, but within that kind of three years, I just discovered I was a better strength and conditioning coach than I was a lacrosse coach. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I never, I never was a fan of the recruiting process. Not that, not that I wasn't good. It was just kind of lying to these kids or talking to their parents. There was just some shady shit going on when I just want to be real. When I just want to talk to him about it, dude, you suck. Here's why. So you can't tell that to a recruit. You can't tell that to a freshman. Kind of um, just had times to change. So I just kind of made the investment, the leap into uh, the collegiate game. So fortunate opportunity that I was managing a gym while I was coaching uh, D3 lacrosse. Because, again, not the way to make some money as assistant anyways. <clears throat> but then – the uh, the business shut down. So this is where Callie and I had met and worked together for probably a year and a half, two years. But then the business shut down, just out of our control. So I decided to go just all in and uh, hit up Georgetown U about an internship or just volunteering or something like that. But then they offered me a job. So um was just working part-time, and this is right about the time of the uh, – shit, I'm getting way ahead of my timeline here. But how did it go with my collegiate D3 guys? A lot of eggs to be broken to make an omelet. I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah. We can back up, but um, that's where the future's going. Um, well, yeah, and I guess going back to that blog post and where my, like, the real, my life fucking changed. Like I said, people, living the Midwest dream. I had a house. I had a dog. I had a girlfriend. We had two dogs maybe at this point. Had a car. I had a really shitty corporate gig that I was fucking trying to pull the ripcord on. And my plan at the time was, and it was after the seminar. I'm like, I want to fucking go in and do this full time. You know, it brought me back literally to what I, what the training that I did when I was 16 years old was a training that John and Roth and Ben were talking about at the seminar. That's what I did. And that's how I became the person I was and fucking was able to excel in high school football, which sounds like so fucking douchey that you peak at 18. But a lot of guys do and dude, like I still talk to those guys. It's fucking, you know, nostalgic to go back to the old glory days and talking about whooping up on fucking kids who made it to the NFL. And you're fucking cracking them at 18 years old. That's what I did. Anyways. And you won the Super Bowl, right? Vicariously through Owen Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. I played with Owen Daniels at Naval Central High School. We were state champions. Text. You know what that's all about? I don't think so. Well, I do from the other side. The <laughs> sideline. Katie. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Owen Daniels won a Super Bowl and didn't give me a shout-out, even though I meant he probably meant to, but just got, like, a little overwhelmed in the moment. So he didn't thank me when they interviewed him. It's just – it's kind of how it works. I get it. But uh, what do you give me that look for? Well, 
So uh, I'm looking at this email that you sent to John. Well, you- yeah, because, okay, so long story sh- longer, I guess, is John drops a blog post. I'm, and I'm going to pull it up here as I kind of pontificate called Are You Hurt or Are You Injured on Talk to Me, Johnny, right? <clears throat> um, and, you know, the the I, I was an avid reader. And at this point, John's blog post, it used to be kind of weekly, uh Weekly by weekly, but then it'd been off for like a month or so. So people, I guess, unbeknownst to me, are fucking hitting them up, you know, and this guy has a, a question, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm 44 trying to make gains. Uh, fuck my hamstring up. What should I do? And John's like, hey, you know, sorry, I haven't posted in a few weeks. Uh, I've been under uh, under the gun with more than a few projects and tasks. So he talks about owning his own gym. CrossFit Balboa. Uh, he leaves most of the day with the staff, uh, and he's free to work on the CrossFit football, paleo brands, the blog, web design, but not anymore. The office manager, a former client with an MBA, uh, was laid off last year, got a six-figure job, and I could not match their offer. I've been thrust back into managing the day-to-day operations for the gym. I am looking for an office manager who is willing to work long hours in a gym for decent pay. Computer, accounting, and a sense of humor are a must. The perks include training and knowledge. Let me know if you know anyone. And I'm reading this from my fucking cube after attending the seminar. Like how many weeks? How many weeks after? Okay, so this was posted on July 20th. I my feb, my I believe the seminar was February 11th. Right? Okay. So five months. Right. And uh, within this five-month window is when I've realized I'm done with corporate fucking America. I had some bullshit go down where I've fu- – and, like, thank God it did, you know, in, in retrospect. But I was fucking gutted that I got hopped uh, for political reasons on a huge project that I was a fucking A player on, right? And, uh, you know, you put in a year's worth of extra work and you're fucking – you're staring at doing this for a 50 grand fucking bonus. Well, boss gets the bonus and fucking promotes someone – just political bullshit, dude. And I go to my fucking pop who, you know, kids, listen, if you're like a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, like if you're under 24 and you're still kind of like, fuck, my parents don't know shit. Let me tell you what happens when you get older. You realize that they do know some shit. So I, you know, I'm like 27, 26, 27 at this point. And I hit up my pop and I tell him the story and he's listening as, you know, he should. And he's a relatively cerebral man and, you know, has a lot of insight. And whether or not he knew what his feedback was going to be, what it was going to cause, I don't know. But I say, you know, what do I do? Because I want to go fucking kick a door in and tell some motherfuckers what's up and go, fuck y'all. I'm going to be a firefighter and I'm going to open a gym. Right? That was my plan. I had some firefighter clients they toured they gave me tours of their their fire stations i did the cpat fucking aced it obviously because i'm elite all right and i'm like you know it that affords me a shift schedule where i can open a second location with neil neil right and my old man's like you know that sounds like a pretty shitty situation but i'm the boss of my business so i don't have to deal with that shit and my old man runs his own dental practice. My mom runs her own travel agency. Neither of them could relate to being an underling because they were the fucking haunch. They worked in a small business where there was, there was synergy. There was a dynamic. And it was one that replicated the, the micro gym. And I'm like, that's what triggered it. 
And, uh, you know, I told him and he's like, you're fucking insane, man. We're in a recession. You're making six figures like you're doing good. People would probably give a testicle for this job so they could raise their family. And you're going to fucking throw this away to go fucking tell people to lift weights. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's like, all right, well, you're young, you're dumb. I don't, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, but I really do think you should just try and stick this out. Right. But then this fucking, you know, I'm in my cube, this article pops off. I fucking print it out. I go to my buddy who is my training partner. We go to the cafeteria. We have some shitty corporate office coffee. And I read this thing and I go, that's me. This is what I want to do. I want to work really long hours for decent pay. That's what I want to do with, with Jay Welly. And I go fucking, <laughs> I'm going to, he wasn't Jay Welly at the time. It was Mr. John Wilborn, Jean. And, uh, you know, and then I'll be on the fucking CrossFit football staff and then life will be good. You know, my buddy's like, that is a fucking good opportunity, man. Throw your name in the hat. So you were the only name in the hat. I threw my name in the hat and uh, text. You want to read the email or should I? Which one? The John's response? No, the fucking one. I, uh, so then I, I draft- I'll gladly le- read John's response. Okay. If you want to uh, just kind of, I guess, sure. bullet point. <clears throat> uh, John, looking at uh, some of your talk to me, Johnny posts, uh, saw you're looking for an office manager. We met at the CrossFit football cert in Naperville about six months ago. I work as a coach with Neil at CrossFit of Naperville. Brief background, 28 years old, one girlfriend, two dogs, went to college, earned two degrees, computer science and mathematics, spent more time in the gym and having fun than in school, but figured that sort, that sort of stuff out. Right out of school, grabbed a corporate gig and have been there for six years in a finance slash pricing role, still currently in that role full time. For the past couple of years, I've been running operations part time at CrossFit in Naperville, organizing events, managing schedules, programming, uh, running the website, etc. CrossFit Level 1 certified, USA Level 1 Sports Performance certified, CrossFit Football and CrossFit Endurance certified. Love the part-time job, desperate to uh, make it a reality as a full-time job. Uh, and to slob the knob a bit, because that's what you do, people, when you're applying for a job. And he's, he's not just saying that. This is written. And to slob the knob a bit, I think you're doing great things, John, and would love to be a part of it. Let me know if you are interested uh, and what else you would want to know. All right. John's response. I know the thought of moving to SoCal is awesome, but here's the deal. The job is a combo job. Gym manager, trainer, CrossFit, lack, CrossFit football lackey. The pay sucks. The good, huge upside. Send me a resume, and let's get on Skype to discuss. I mean, what a great job, John Wellborn, selling the position. Pay sucks. The good, huge upside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, so, you know. And, and your only interaction with John is the seminar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. Did you, is this pre or post milk gallon? Oh, this is way after. So, you know, this fucking story John tells and winds up and, uh, you know, don't be weird. I realize I'm the weird guy of this dude fucking in tidy whiteies sending like basically nude pics. So I fucking think as a joke, I'm going to send John Wellborn that picture reenacted with a gallon of milk asking if it's working. So that's what I fucking did. I fucking nude it up, got in my bat, Batman skibbies, grabbed a gallon of milk, took a picture, selfie picture in the mirror. Before this was fucking cool, by the way, there was no fucking Instagram. And I fucking, uh, let's see. I, it's right here. I think we found the picture for the promo for this episode. Oh, God. John, I did a CrossFit football wad today and started Go Mad. Is it working? 
Please let me know. Oh I'm desperate. Did he respond? I don't want to be a Calvin Klein model anymore. I want to be big and strong like you. Oh my God. <laughs> what a fucking weirdo. Did he remember this when you sent the next email? Uh, the yeah, he did because he uh, photoshopped some fucking <laughs> like photoshopped some nasty shit on that picture and said, here's going to be your cert profile picture after we kind of hashed things out. And I said, all right, I'm in, you know? So yeah, that was, uh, that was everything finalized after a visit in, uh, let's see, September, 2011, September 1st, I flew flew out out there, met John in person, met Ben, Nate dog picked me up from the airport. And like, it was just the most hack fucking operation. John's like, yeah, I'll pick you up. Just call me when you land. I land and call him. He's like, no, I can't pick you up. My buddy Nate's going to be there. So then I'm like, who the fuck is Nate? So I call Nate. And Nate's like, yeah, white forerunner, Danzig Skull. You'll figure it out and hangs up. So they're just like <laughs> fucking with me, you know, like I'm like exactly like we would, you know. And I'm like, fuck, I just figured out. I'm like, first off, I'm from fucking Naperville. I listen to like pop punk. I don't know what the fuck a Danzig Skull is. I'm such a douche at this point. Uncultured. Like, I don't know what it is either. So it's a, it's just like a big fucking like a, a, a bovine skull, right? And uh, it was a it was a dirt bag white forerunner with a Danzig skull on it. So they picked me up, dropped me off at the gym, and uh, and John's like, "Yeah, I don't feel like coaching classes. You want to coach?" I'm like, "Yeah, fuck it, I'll do it." And dude, I smashed, I smashed it. That's your eight mile moment. Uh, you know it was. It actually was. That was and, a test. And I guess John was in there listening to me. And uh, my first two clients were actually people I'm still friends or two people I coached was uh, a gal named, we'll just call her Kosky, and then EW. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which are like some of our, our best friends now. Isn't that it's so funny? Yeah, that was the eight mile moment. Smashed it. My real eight mile moment, though, came uh, when John dropped me off on the peninsula with Ben. Just and for drinks. For drinks. And Ben basically opened a bottle of tequila, put it down between us, and he says we have to finish it. So we fucking finished it. But little did I know. Do you remember the conclusion? No, I don't. I remember the aftermath. So we do that. We go out to Ben's favorite club, Malarkey's, and we just start crushing beer, and I I did it. (laughs) You know, I did it. I made it back. And the next day I'm hung over his balls, and John picks me up and takes me to get some fish tacos and makes me drink a Four Locos. The Four Loco. The. Not the new one. No. The Four Loco. So we do that, go back to his beach house, and he's like, well, what do you think? And I'm like, I fucking love it. Like, this is what I, this is what I, I can do this. He's like, well, go back, figure things out, and let me know. And then I put in my fucking two weeks notice, and, uh, you know, my boss, like, I was the fucking weird fitness guy at work. You know, I wore tight shit before tight shit was cool. And uh, he's like, I know you're into this thing, man. He's like, what can I offer you to stay? And I'm like, honestly, nothing. He's like, are you sure? And then, you know, offers a significant increase in pay, which, you know, would make a fucking any 27, 28-year-old kid basically rich. And I fucking turned it down to go fucking get paid dirt, dirt, literally dirt from John and run fucking Cross and Balboa. But eat like a king. Uh, yeah, on the road if I ever made that point. So that was my, I guess, my eight-mile moment and my, like, my tryout, you know? Where Ben basically said, yeah, I think he's legit. And then, because uh, he, he was the haunch. You know, Ben was the haunch. Uh, John's right-hand man. And uh, John thought I could coach and saw potential. And, like, on the social side of things. Like, listen, we don't need degenerate people who are getting blasted all the time. Like, that's not the point. It's just, let's see how you are in a social situation where you're out of your comfort zone. And, yeah, maybe there's a little alcohol involved. What are you going to do? You know? And so it's just, like, 
that's what it was back then. Similar to what your experience was. Yeah. So, uh, essential timeline, which I, I do have noted, um, here, there was a blog post on June 4th of 2012 in which it was entitled Joining 7R Staff. So uh, it kind of goes through Fight Club Breakdown. It's pretty inspiring kind of letter from John. And if you'll notice somewhere down on the comments, I saw it. There was McQuilkin, whatever I uh, posted on CrossFit Football, I just used my last name. And it just simply says goal, period on that post. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just, um, I guess leading up to that before this post was written, there was occupy strength, Baltimore. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck you chose to go to Baltimore, but, uh, Callie and I were running a gym in DC and we had a a fucking little special thing going and we ran it like a team, which I think a lot of the people that were a part of it respected. So we had our uniforms, we had a good time. And, um, Whenever Baltimore Occupy Strength was announced, I said, we're all doing this. And so we rolled freaking 30 deep to this thing, all rocking our, our team shirt. And um, Luke, do you recall these? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're a little hard to miss. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I remember you giving them to me. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? You're like, big fan of what you guys do. Because it's me and Bo Columbus. Like, think, yeah. think of, you know how we ran that operation, knowing us now, how we could have done it back then. Because this is before we knew anything. So it yeah. all makes sense. And we're like slinging shirts. This whole thing's a ploy to just sling shirts. And, uh, you know, fucking text gives us these purple fucking getting sexy fr- uh, Friday, sexy Friday, sexy Friday shirts. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it wasn't until a year later, I understood the dynamic of the gym, how it all came together. And dude, it's still in the collection. Oh yeah. This, that's yeah. a keeper for real. Uh, that I, I got to hang it up. I can't wear it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so needless to say, this was in the, uh, the boys town of DC and to make fun of all the other DC CrossFits that are going like Skull and Crossbones Extreme, we just had a little unicorn with some rainbows on there. Lots and then, of rainbow, lots of unicorn. And then our the thing we were known around town for was this thing called Sexy Friday. So when I first opened, the attendance sucked ass on Friday nights. And I was really getting tired of wasting time uh, for one or two people, right? So we just started doing, I guess, bicep curls, triceps. But workouts, but stuff for time. But stuff for time, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we called it Sexy Friday. So, and then it, it got to the point where it was so huge. And then we had to get two coaches. Callie and I were coached Friday nights. And then we'd all just go to the bars, have a good time, mm-hmm. uh, rocking our freaking rainbow uniforms. Um, uh, not the most comfortable experience for me, but it was still a good time, I guess. But uh, needless to say, we rolled 30 deep into Occupy Strength, rocking these freaking. I called him PR pull. That was the nickname, right? Invictus Green, mm-hmm. but we had freaking PR pull because mm-hmm. it's uh, purple, guys. That's a joke. It's like kind of like a combo in words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I still claim to this day that we won that competition. It's Luke. possible. You know, we need to go. I have. I'm records retention whore, so I have everything. I, I truly do. Uh, the problem is we had third party scorekeepers entering into a spreadsheet, and they fucking they shifted a column. And then they started entering scores, and like uh, it's quite possible, dude. We'll go back. I know. I know. Every time we bring this up, I say that, and I do sincerely mean it. I want that banner. Okay, I'm a competitive guy, so it was. We brought the team environment of sport to fitness. Mm-hmm. This is like before team competitions or anything. Like yeah, it was yeah. fucking awesome. This, yeah, you this all, was an and individual. you had a great fucking team too. Yeah, yeah. this was an individual competition, mm-hmm. so we brought the team action to it. Basically, we invented team. 
of fitness competitions. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome, everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, I guess that was my first tryout to which you can put a face to the name. And uh, it was, I guess, Luke's introduction to Callie and I. Mm-hmm. And that we take this shit very seriously. But at the same time, we're having a great fucking time. And uh, from then, um, yeah, I applied, I guess, June 4th. And this was me meeting Luke to put a name to the application after the uh, the blog post came out. And then there was an East Coast cert July 28th to Philly. And Callie and I were like, yeah, we're in. So I think it took Ben like six weeks to get back to us in our applications. <laughs> Something like that. But um, yeah, so here's, well, first off, here's oh where you, yeah, let me read this to you people. Okay. No. Uh, let's see. Uh, ben, thank you for opening opportunity for the CrossFit football community to join the seminar staff. Attached, you will find a letter. Uh, let me read this letter to you. Dear CFFB team, <clears throat> I'm very interested in joining the CrossFit football seminar staff. The opportunity presented by your team is one I've been looking forward to since I took the, my first CrossFit football cert put on by John. There's no commas here, people. John Ralph and Max Mormont in December 2009. Now, the, the, some of you might, might not know this, but there is no Ralph that helped create this program. It is Roth. Ruiz, Raphael. Does yeah, so, Raph know you that, call him Ralph? Oh, that's going. I'm going to send him this. <laughs> <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Text keeps, keeps talking. And, you, you know, nowhere in this fucking letter does he talk about slobbing knobs, which is why text shuffled down to the bottom of the, the pile. Everyone else who talked about slobbing knobs got the first nod. Kelly <laughs> lit off with that idea. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm trying to think, where is this? Um, here's internship opportunity because Callie sent me some fucking uh, she sent feedback had the fucking balls to bash the Occupy Strength event I'm trying to find that email um, but it was like hey thanks for uh, thanks for um, putting this event on but you guys are dipshits and here's how you should fucking run it is at least how we read it and like the first response like I'm gonna send tell this girl to fuck or so but then, long story short, she also sent in an internship deal. You know, I have her email here. Should I, should I read it on her behalf? Oh, she spelled Roth right. Look at that. But uh, anyways, so barreling forward on this, Tex, what's the, you know, I guess this kind of gets into like our first kind of exposures as interns, right? Yeah. So now people, what we thought, like that's how we got here. You know, in that process, if you shake that sucker out, that Occupy Strength event was in June 2012. Yeah or no? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so June 2012. And um, so I, I'd kind of been at it for maybe six months because I got out. My first day of work as a CrossFit Balboa coach was October 2nd, 2011. Right? So in that time frame, John just goes, hey, we should do a powerlifting meet but let's put a cross a football twist on it. And we do, we go through and we're putting this whole thing together. We organize one in Chicago and we had a guy who's still, he's still dude's name is Dwayne. You guys know him. If you're on field strong or Johnny water or anything like that, Dwayne's been around forever. Um, but he's, uh, he's like, Hey, I got some buddies back in Baltimore who have a kit, a bitch in gym. They're in the iron game. They have plenty of weights. They'll be able to accommodate. So that's how we got the Baltimore location. Ah. Yeah. He's a member at Balboa. And, uh, so anyways, I get out. So I get out October 
2011. My first fucking whack was December 2011 in San Diego. And to, I, to, to assist. What, to did you assist. get power clean? Uh, no. I got nutrition. So what was the time for You said October? October. Yeah. October and I go and I'm like I'm excited and I get like I sit down with John and and I'm like you know I can only imagine what John's thinking you know what I mean because I'm just I'm like here's the thing people I'm a fucking confident guy and I like I I assure you I can get anything figured out without a doubt and but I know that or I believe that I should say I don't know that I believe that so I sit to I sit down talk to John I'm like hey so when do I get on the CrossFit football staff and he just like leans back in his chair Let's a breath out and goes, being on the staff is not a right. It's a privilege. And you don't fucking know anything. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, how, what do I do? Let's go talk to fucking Ben. And I'm like, hey, Ben, can you give me the lectures? He's like, oh, we don't have lectures. Can you give me the outlines? We don't have outlines. Can you give me anything? Well, I just write notes. Do you want to see my notes? So Ben had a collection of unique notes for every seminar. He had been to, and he would just write down everything as much as well as he could that John or Roth would say. And that's all I had to fucking work with. Type or write? Uh, type. I'm sorry. Type, typed notes. That's all I had to work with. So I'm like, well, John, I'll do it for free. Let's just let me, I'm, I'm in. And they fucking, they ghosted me, ghosted me, like four certs go by. And then finally there's a local one. So they don't have to pay for my travel, which I get now. And uh, so we drive down to San Diego and John goes, what do you want to do? I go, I'll do nutrition. I could do nutrition without a doubt because that was my thing. I was a Rob Wolf fucking fanboy, and uh, and Rob a lot of what Rob preached overlapped with the power athlete diet, and I could do it. So John and I tag team that, and that was my first fucking whack at it. And I don't have it on video, and I think I did all right. You know, I think I did. I, you know, I, I the confidence was there. But I assure you filler words are there. I assure you stammering was there. Like all of those things that we see on our first fucking whack. But that was, you know, that's December 2011 for me. So that was my very first internship at San Diego. And um, is that when the, like the weekly meetings that John started when he's feeding? No, no not that. yet. Not yet. Not yet. So he, cause he had his girls October 6th. I rolled in October 2nd, right? So not yet. Right now. I am in white space and I'm trying like being in a blizzard, lots of noise, no vision, trying to find north. Right. Um, I'll tell you when that started. But what was your do you want to go on your first intern or do you what do you you want go to your eight mile moment? Which is Philly, Sem Philly cheese chase, the Philly cheese chase. That's what it's now known as. <laughs> well, uh, I guess uh, so we had the opportunity. Um, Occupy strength was the put the face to the name, mm -hmm. and then Callie and I, again, invest in our second seminar. We make the drive from D.C. to Philly, which is like three hours without traffic. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it took us forever, so we get there, and then Saturday morning, just go in, introduce ourselves to John, say we applied to the Space Monkey program. Um, whether we recognize our names or not, I don't know. He At least he pretended to, very mm -hmm. cordial in the beginning. I remember Kate and the girls were there, too. Um so then we sat down and then yeah, it, was, it was kind of full house because it, yeah. it was me and Ben. It was like 48 people. Yeah, Ben, but Ben, yeah, Ben was there, right? Uh huh. And then and Uncle Brew. Dave. Yeah. Um, so definitely, definitely uh, freaking uh, the rock stars. <laughs> yeah. Everybody who's everybody was there. And it's it's Luke and Ben leading this thing. And Callie and I are sitting front row, like, all right, just along for the ride. 
Um, yeah, we do what is CrossFit football, right? And then we break to get ready for the warm-up, right? That's how it went still, right? And I think during the break is when we're like, hey, so uh, you guys ready? <laughs> yeah, and they're like, uh, so you know the squat lecture? And I, I said no. So I don't know if that's just you were fucking with me or you were tired or bored. Then you also asked if we knew the power clean lecture. And we we're like, no. Uh, they're like, all right, well, for the squats, you just go lead that group. Mm-hmm. Just go coach that group. For the power cleans, you just coach everybody. Yeah, float. Float, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that was the eight-mile moment, but that came after day one. No, it, it was because we – so Ben and I were listening and, like, debriefing after that on how y'all oh, did. Oh, yeah, how's the background go? We never talk about what, what was said about us. You can be honest. Uh, I will. I'll let you finish the story, and then we'll – and I'll give you the background. I'll, I'll full disclosure. Okay. Yeah. So day day one, just along for the ride, they asked us to give lectures, and we we're like, no, we can't. I don't know if the actual expectation was that we were going to do it. They probably just were asking. But then afterwards, it's like, hey, we're going to get we're going to get food. We're going to get beers. Okay. So then, uh, Callie's Callie's wheelman story's been told multiple times by John, in which I was the wheelman, but from the horse's mouth, Callie was wheelman. <laughs> She's a much better driver than so I. So Texas driving, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're in King of Prussia at this point, and so we got to make some some miles to get into the city so John can relive his Philly experience, get the cheesesteaks, and just kind of hit some nostalgia points. And we're literally just along for the ride. So we, we hop in Callie's white freaking um, white unicorn Jeep. She's a Jeep girl. So we hop in, and we're just wheeling through all these highways trying to keep up with John. And they're in some town car rental, like freaking um, just low riding and weaving through traffic. John's all over the highway and just through the back of our mind, like, is he fucking with us? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Uh, so we're, I guess, at that point where we maybe lose him, maybe we don't. Do I call Ben? Do I not call Ben? Because, like, Ben was our POC at this point, not Luke. And... Um, freaking uh blowing off stop signs cutting over four lanes on highways doing all this crazy stuff in a in a foreign foreign land Mm -hmm. and john's just uh knows like the back of his hand can probably just freaking drive blind at this point and what is what does the stop sign stand for in philly i forget slow down to observe police yeah (laughs) and slow for john's like 35 so whipping through back neighborhoods first we hit up um what was the cheesesteak place we went to first? Uh, man, it, it, like I, there was like Tony Luke's. There was we did the, we did the Genos. We did Genos. Yeah, we did four. Yeah, I think Tony Luke's was the first one. Okay. Yeah, so we stop off and then um, yeah, it's like what do you want? So I stepped to a place. I got a eggs. I got egg cheesesteak. So he's like eggs. That's that's cool. Good choice. Breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I forget what Callie get, but she she went all in and we're ordering sandwiches, mm-hmm. anticipating this paleo esque kind of Rob Wolf power athlete <laughs> diet lecture tomorrow. Again, are you fucking with us? Yeah. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then compliments meal choices. We're like, all right, so we sit down with uh, with Uncle Dave, John, uh, at a very small table and just kind of eat the sandwiches, and talk about nothing. Mm-hmm. So again, all right, are we going to talk fitness? Are we going to talk coaching? What's going on? Nothing. Nothing of relevance. I can't even remember it. It was just banter. Uh-huh. All right, on to the next. So next we hit up Pats and Geno's, which Philly people, you know the lay of the land. I don't know how close or far it was. 
but freaking it's a war zone driving driving mm-hmm. through the city with this guy. So again, attempt to keep up. And then of course this is freaking um visitor mark. So everybody's there. There's zero parking. Of course, John and Luke make parking, find parking right away. So mm-hmm. we have to then just like basically park illegally just to keep up because it's a ticket is less important than kind of keeping pace. Yeah. So Callie and I park illegally, we hop out and we just go and hit up hit up Gino's, get a cheesesteak again. I'm like we're ordering our second sandwich in an hour. <laughs> I'm anticipating a nutrition lecture tomorrow. <laughs> Do I gotta pretend like this is not happening? Are you fucking with us? So then uh cross the street, go to the freaking Gino the Pats, get another sandwich, whiz wit, right? And again, this whole time, and uh, at this point, uh, maybe maybe the gluten hits John, so he's not he's not uh, he's not there. But it's just Luke, Uncle Dave, Ben, Callie, and I just like hammering our third sub, third uh, freaking hoagie. I don't know what y'all call it there. Yeah, cheesesteak. Cheesesteak, yeah. And uh, just the whole time, we're in the back of our I mind. Think, I think that was when we we're like, any questions? Yes. So, uh, questions came with beers afterwards, I think. Was it? Well, from Dave anyway. Mm-hmm. So Dave basically waited about three hours to acknowledge our existence. Yeah, yeah. Which is which now makes sense. Knowing him, <laughs> I, it makes complete sense. Um, yeah. So he's just um, he's sitting there in the back, just kind of eyeballing us, staring us down. And then Luke and Ben are actually asking us, I guess, uh, career questions. Where do you see yourself? Kind of, what's this mean to you? What's going on in y'all's head? We, this is we never talked about. We just talked well, about the cheese chase. Honestly, so things were a lot more simple back then, right? It's could these people coach, and could you see them in front of, like, in, in front of uh, a crowd running a seminar? Do they seem passionate enough, and do they want to learn? And basically, it was like, yeah, okay. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, they're good. Uh, truth be told, you know. And then, but here's the thing: is you, this is a John thing, so he's got to make the call. And uh, you know, one of the questions. Callie asked me, it was like, what's, what's the hardest part about the gig? And I, my answer was wrangling the well-born. And that's, that's meant to be like a, truly a term of endearment because there's so much shit the guy fucking can handle in terms of like his, his horizon is wider than anyone's I know. And I'm more of a, a focused tunnel vision guy. So now I'm there to help build this thing. This is about the time Ben and I have reached peer status so ben was my mentor and then we became kind of like uh partners you know and uh so ben's working one side of the equation i'm working the other and and that was my answer so i had to wrangle john and remind him like hey we're in kind of a recruiting phase we what was your take on these guys yeah they're fine you know and that's what it was and it's like well okay so what do we do with that you know because we weren't tooled up for development we're still not at the point where lectures are, there's an outline to this event. It was go, and it was, you know where you got to get to, get there. That was the seminar. So, like, but that wouldn't work for you guys. That wouldn't work, you know, so we had just started tooling up the lecture structures, which I think I shared with you, which we broke out into key points. uh, Audience inquiries. Yeah, you you lob softballs, which audience inquiries, uh, taglines, and then supporting details, right? So I, br- I listened to every lecture. I, I dissected every note Ben had taken. I'd overlaid it. Like think of like an overhead projector back in the day and putting the transparencies all on top of one another. And I created the keystone. 
And I did that for one lecture at a time. And then I had to like get John's sign off on this. So this is all, that was the majority of my work. Ben was supposed to be finding you guys uh, and whoever that was. And, you know, I think there was like 15 people. One of them was Denny K and I fucking, Denny, I still, I, I don't even know if he listens to our shit anymore, but he, you know, the voice he's, he could have been a guy, but he's like, has six fucking daughters. And we're like, dude, trust me, this isn't for you. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it was just like, yeah, let's make it happen, you know? And, and one, the goal was we need someone on the East. We need one more on the West. So we're going to have to split them. How do you want to split it? Right. And that was, became the point of contention is how, who do we want out? Right. So then, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but then we got this email from Cali. Post July 28th. Post KOP. August 1. Ben and Luke, awesome weekend. Even though it was my second cert, I definitely took more away from this than the last due to my focus on how you were delivering the material rather than simply the material itself. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out to talk candidly about your experience with CrossFit football. Similarly, thanks for letting me go on and on about my lady boner for CrossFit football. Uh, I can't say enough good things about the program and the quality of the instruction. Speaking only for myself here, having the opportunity to hang with you guys in a more casual setting was also great. It's nice to observe the workplay dynamic and have a chance to shoot the shit. Being called a lesbian repeatedly and having Uncle Dave <laughs> ask me if I'd like double penetration at one point, I felt, I felt right at home. Oh my God. Or like I needed a shower. <laughs> Either way, I enjoyed the interaction uh, and getting to know you guys a little better. Um, more than enthusiastic. Uh, if you ever need to provide any further information, let me know. Be sure to give John my regards and thank him for dinner and beer as well as the high-speed chase that almost ended me. Enjoy Vegas. Don't die. Cali. So, like, that was John and I were on some fucking mission to get, like, rocks for his backyard or something. You know, and we're in, like, the IE in California. It's fucking hot as hell. And I'm like, John, what are we doing? And he's like, have Cali come out here. We'll get text remotely. I'm like, all right. So I hit up Cali. I said, you got time for a call? Gave us her number. Uh... And then said, hey, you want to come out to California and live here and be a coach at Balboa and basically do what I did? Uh, and she's like, uh, yeah. And then we fucking traded emails from then. And uh, I'm not a, I'm not fucking afraid to say this. And Callie's going to be like, I think I've told her to her face. Like the goal, Balboa needed fucking, needed direction. It was a bunch of, it was three fucking dudes in there with no direction going opposite direction, which worked against the gym. And we thought that we... Just stupid dipshit guys. Listen, ladies, my, our lady listeners, I don't want to fucking stereotype y'all, but we're like, we need a gym mom. And that's text why you got the fucking, we're like, text can't be the gym mom, even though you probably would have been a better gym mom than fucking Callie. Because Callie showed up and was just one of the fucking dudes and as big of a dipshit as we all were. You know what I mean? Like, great coach. Like, we were all really good coaches, but we just needed somebody to channel. And I wasn't the guy. Jay Welly's definitely not the guy. I'm I'm too busy trying to build the CrossFit football infrastructure, you know, which you loosely benefited from. So that's how the back channel went down, and that's why you stayed out east and she came out west. And then it all fucking worked out great, though. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, because it forced forced mm -hmm. me to um, to dive. Yeah, like I didn't have like Luke. Uh, we um, alluded to kind of staying up late with John while he's feeding. Oh the yeah, girls. yeah. So then, as I'm building this infrastructure, I'm still, you know. So this, what, what's the date on that text? So July 
28th, probably August 2012. 2012. Okay. So I'm still not really, I haven't been unleashed yet. You know what I mean? So I'm still learning the material myself. And uh, I'm, I'm just a structured guy. I like manuals. I like fucking, I like ops manuals. So I'm building these ops manuals, best practices, and I'm trying to create a structure that's fluid to offer people the flexibility to make it your own, right? And plus replicate the experience. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, so this is August 2012. My first fucking seminar where I went solo was May 2012. Okay? And that was on accident because fucking Ben... <laughs> uh, um. Ben fucking didn't renew his passport and I got sent to Ecuador on my own, right? So this is where I realized there was a fucking need and that's about when it kicked off and that's, you know, the the girls at this point are October to May, eight months old-ish. So I'm over at John's, literally, at all hours, whenever he's up, he'd ping me and it wouldn't be my coaching hours. I'd go over there and we'd talk, why do we do this warm-up? Why this lecture? What the fuck is a primal movement? Like, I get it, but what is it? How does it all fit together? And what John and I basically did is like Russell fucking crowed, uh, beautiful minded. Like we tied the yarn to everything. And when it fucking finally came around and that fucking yarn hit where it all started is when the lights went on for me. And I was able to like understand how we could replicate the information for you guys and then what became heir apparent was teaching you how to deliver the experience. Because those of you who have been to a seminar, let's say in the years of 2011, 12, 13, 14, 15, don't know what the fuck you even learned. All you know is you had the best time of your life, right? And that's what we did. We gave you great information. Maybe you hung on to a nugget or two, but we put on a show and we still fucking do, dude. No one can, no one's doing it like us. No one. Unmatched. But. Uh, I don't know, where does that take us on your timeline? Because now I'm into what we also talked about people doing. What we talked about is just kind of some some milestone moments in milestone seminars that we're going to kind of speed round here because we only got about 10, 15 minutes. Okay. So, so what do you got? Quick to the point where this stands is I didn't have the late night. I didn't have the working in the same space as John, so I couldn't ask him questions. Or when I did have his ear, it wasn't for very long, so you had to be very efficient and deliver um, quality questions that made sense, not waste any fucking time. Um, so my first question was books. Where do I go to learn? So he dropped Hatfield's Power. He dropped Science of Practice by Zatsiorski and then Super Training. And essentially, I had the CrossFit football weekends um, to see all of this stuff unfold. Mm -hmm. So make the connections between the weekend experience and the information that we're reading. So again, it wasn't what chapters to read. It wasn't what sections. It wasn't this, this, that order. It was just these three books. So it kind of uh, created a, a search, which I, I wouldn't change the experience for the world because then I had the opportunity to practically apply that to non-field sport athletes at Georgetown, right? When you first start as a collegiate strength and conditioning coach, you don't get the fun teams. Right. You don't get the footballs. You don't get the lacrosses. You get what the coaches don't want, which is the rowing, which is freaking uh, just girls lacrosse, honestly. So um, I had the opportunity to then make a difference and bring some passion and then work on that voice. How do I deliver dead bugs, which is going to be engaging to a, a girls rowing team? 
which if they can get into it, then I guarantee somebody that who's paying for this experience will then go. So it was an opportunity to find that voice as well as make the connections between all the stuff because yeah, so I could create my own programs. You're delivering Those, the segments of the seminars to your teams. And that was my reps. So when we had to talk cocky walks, ankling, and all this good stuff, well, guess what I would program? Mm-hmm. Cocky walks, ankling, whatever I was on deck for for teaching the seminar. Uh, and then, yeah, so just... Uh, yeah, so I guess, you know, my like I said, first intern, December 11th, I give nutrition at fucking... Um, uh, in San Diego. And then that same month, John wants to see what Roth's opinion is of Ben (laughs) and me, but mostly Ben. So John sends Ben and I to Roth's gym where we have a seminar booked to basically run a seminar. And Ruiz is on the fringe and he's in, he's got parts speaking parts, but we never, we didn't have that type of model where we could chunk it out. We just showed up and we go, okay, what do you want to do? And Ruiz is like, you do this, this, and this, I'll do this. Right. And the things that Ruiz said he was going to do, I had never even knew that was part of the seminar. (laughs) (laughs) So he does like his thing, you know, which is all fucking great, dude. He like was great. And, um, what did Roth say? I forget. Anyways, we get through the weekend. The, the year was 2008 and my buddy John Monteith was getting married and me and a bunch of friends drove from Chicago to Phoenix and I was wadding hard at this point. Okay. So I stop in at CrossFit Armorillo. We stop in and get a fucking wad on Amarillo, Armorillo, Amarillo. And, uh, dude, me and my buddy just, I don't know, like deadlifts and pull-ups or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. On your own. Open on gym. our own. Yeah. Cause it's an open gym deal. And this, this bird who runs a spot welcomes us with open arms and uh, teaches our girlfriends how to bench press because we weren't bench pressing because it wasn't functional movement, it wasn't quarter extremities, but she teaches them how. Small world, motherfucker. Just, just the girls. Just the girls. Small world because I go to this fucking seminar at Roth's. Guess who showed up? Amarillo coach. Amarillo chicken, right? And she's in there, and she, uh, you know, I, we, we introduced. She's like, oh, you're part of the staff? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the cross football staff now, right? And... um. Well, anyways, long story short, this bird stonewalls us. And part of her expectations was to meet John Wellborn, to learn the method from John. That was part, you know, we get expectations. Well, Jay Welly ain't there, so she's already butthurt. It's me and Ben, just two great-looking guys. You know, I can't help but think of Zoolander. <laughs> the two lookers on the grassy knoll sure shit were. Um, and Ruiz, who's on the periphery, who's a very captivating and fucking intelligent guy but he's on the he's on the periphery given like small micro segments mostly reviewing just designated hitter well anyways this girl goes stonewall and won't do the force bleed demo which is uh you know where we everything comes together and ruiz fucking breaks off the whole fucking cert with some just like uh you know if you're too stubborn to expose yourself to new information not only are you doing yourself a disservice you're disgracing the name of coaches and you're you're doing you were doing harm to your athletes, right? And the fucking, like, you could hear a pin drop. And even Ben and I had, like, single tear. We're like, Rob's so insightful. Oh, my God. And uh, he's just backhanding, call, calling this girl out. Yeah. Without but she, calling her out. Exactly. And this is, this is later in the pull-up segment. And he just finally went, like, he couldn't handle it because she was just, just was fucking stonewalled. Anyways, um, Ruiz gives us a review at the end. And he's like, you fuckers are fake. He's like, you are, the information is scrambled. You'll untie that. But I'm not, he's like, that's not the problem. 
Because the problem is you're not you, right? You got to stop being a parrot and you got to start being Ben. You got to start being Luke. That was his advice. And like, you know, so fucking like, what does that even fucking mean at that point? You know, I truly was expecting Ruiz to say, you guys did great. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) But I didn't know the guy. I only, you know, this second time meeting him, he was, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I, even then, like, I don't know what that, I didn't know what that meant, but, you know, going down and then finally getting to work with you guys, you and Callie, it all started to make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, so that's December, 2011 Ecuador, 2012 was my first solo mission. Cause Ben didn't renew his passport. So I show up, <laughs> I don't, there's still no structure yet. So I just free, like freestyle. What is crossing football? Go straight into the lecture and or the you, warmups. You are John Wilmer. And yeah. So dude, the best part, like I show up, I'm wearing a crossfit football shirt and like the host had his lackeys come hook, like scoop me up from the Ecuadorian airport. Cause I don't fucking speak English or, uh, Spanish, well, I get it, but not enough to survive in fucking Ecuador, okay? And so I'm kind of freaking out, man. It's my first international trip as well out of the country, okay? So, like, um, things are not good, and I got to put a seminar on. Well, anyways, this guy's like, Mr. Wellborn, I'm here to pick you up. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. That's the only thing he knew how to say really in English. So he drives me to the fucking gym. I introduced myself to the host who spoke well enough, but everyone there thought I was John Wellborn, and they had this deadlift competition that they wanted me to be the judge on. <laughs> and they thought John Wellborn was judging this deadlift competition. So people would do the most hideous fucking deadlifts. And I'd be like, looks great. You're like, John Wellborn said, looks great. Woo! Dude, it was epic. You know, and then Benny fucking rolls in at 1.30 the next day. And I've just been stalling, putting people through warmups and shit. Because that's all you this learn. Day one of the seminar. Day one. Because that's all you, like, that's the first learning point is leading and demoing warmups. Which can you can do. As a one man, it's not fun, but it, you can do. So that's what I did. And then he showed up and he knew the lectures. And we just kind of went from there. And dude, like the guy, first off, the dude's name is uh, Jose Luis. And he's a fucking great guy. Great host. Being like amazing culture in Ecuador. And that's the best part about going to these international gigs is like you, they teach you the culture. And as long as you're a sponge, like you can't go fucking wrong, dude. The plantains in Ecuador, that's their major export. Amazing. Ceviche amazing so that was a that was a pretty killer gig um and also killer because the guys there like that's a lot of money to pay they wanted to go all day they so we were literally literally again there for 13 14 hours teaching but they also took like a 12 uh, a two and a half hour lunch even though we said like (laughs) one hour like the host is like they're not doing one hour dude they're gonna be here in like two three hours (laughs) so but yeah that was my first gig solo gig um, and kind of fucking ass whooping, I guess, was 2011, 2012. So where are you at? What what was your first fucking, uh, what was your first intern? Uh, Nashua, New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah. Me so and I had to, yeah. Yeah, to pay my way up to, uh, I flew to Boston, and um, best friend lives up there, so had basically a couch to sleep on um, around the seminar. So hooked up with him, and then met these guys in, in Nashua, to um, basically uh, just go along for the ride. So uh, I was demo boy throughout, and then when they got tired or bored or were hungover, I just had to teach the red eye. <laughs> what did we do? Uh, where do we get hungover? What do we do? Uh, I think it was just some Mexican restaurant. Man. And just Mark's. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, nothing special. Like, not not a lot going on in yeah. New Hampshire. Got it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, from there, it was OKC. 
And so I guess this is where the, the bad juju travel hit me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So OKC, what, what's the date on OKC? October 20th. Okay. 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, basically, y'all ran into some travel weather. Something happened, and then I just get this text message like, are you ready to teach what is CrossFit football, mm-hmm. the lecture? And I was like, uh, I got my notes. I'll take a stab at it swing because they were supposed to get there like mid-morning on Saturday morning. And then something happened where y'all just rerouted your trip. You whipped around somewhere else and you got in on Friday and then just shit storm hit Atlanta. So I flew from DC, Atlanta, got stranded in Atlanta for the night. So I had to spend the night in the airport, took the first flight from Atlanta to OKC in the morning. And then I just fucking roll into this seminar, um, probably an hour late just in cowboy boots and boots and jeans and then rolled right into demo boy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right off the plane. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. We were right next to the train and kept rolling by. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. See, um, I think it was CrossFit. Okay. See, no, it was like an area code. Yeah. 608 or something. Yeah. I don't know. But so, yeah. And then I remember that and everything went well. I think, uh, we had some really good fucking burgers at lunch. Can't remember where they were, and that's also where we met Chad Hamilton, the athletes' media, aka yeah. check him out on Instagram, and the Coda Boys, because that the, those guys are fucking disciples, man. man. They get it. Um, all right. So what about? Uh, I don't know. So I have my worst performance sh- laid out here as well. Well, no, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one above. I'm gonna skip that. I'm gonna go to. Um, you know, listen, people. When you put this thing on, I think you picked up like information is kind of secondary for the audience, but it's like, in terms of being reviewed, you got to have that shit dialed in. So as an intern, whatever, uh, you got to know your shit. And then we worry about crafting your voice after that. And I knew, you know, there was a moment, uh, I guess, you know, when you know, you, you finally realize you got it when you can manage the experience and you got the information, it's a symbiotic relationship and like, you're fucking unstoppable. And there's, you're at the point finally where you can sharpen the blade. You know what I mean? Like you've met, You've found North and, uh, that was in Tampa in Texas. I think you mean you worked that one. That was the one where I was flying. So I missed my, I was connecting through Phoenix and I missed my flight there. Cause my, my fucking smartphone didn't update. So I missed my and connection. Arizona doesn't do time zone. Exactly. Or daylight savings. Yeah. Something. something got fucked. I missed my flight. So then, um, it's fucking, uh, November. I don't know what was going on, but flights were booked. Like there, there was nothing else I could, the only time I could get there out of Phoenix was the next day in the evening. So I'd be gone all Saturday. I'm like, can't do it. So I get, I call my mom, travel agent. She starts looking at like non-listed connections, just trying to jim jam some shit. Well, I flew out of Orange County. If I ditch my reservation and fly back West to LA, I could get a red eye to Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And that's not a connection. Those are two separate flights. So I get back, uh, I fly back to fucking LA, and I'm as I get off of that flight, so there's a bomb threat. They shut the airport down. Oh my and God. it came from my terminal. So they're screening and patting down everybody who's walking out of the terminal. Now, I had three hours to get to my connecting flight from United to Delta. I had which is plenty of time at LAX. Unless they're fucking screening every person in the terminal. So I fucking, what do I do? I fucking, I puff up. I go peacock and I just cut the line. 
I'm like, hey, man, I'm working. Like, oh, give a fuck. I'm like, well, no, I fuck. So I muscled through and jumped the line. I had to do it. I had to do it because I didn't have my boarding pass. I still had to go print a boarding pass because it's not a connector, right? So I get to Delta. They're shut down as well. And now they're screening anybody who walks into the terminal for the whole airport for this bomb threat, okay? They tell me to go to the, the special services line. You ever been in that fucking line, Tex? No. This is the line where people go to die. <laughs> like this, it's like the special, it's not customer service, it's special services. And it's like the most obscure problems they need to kind of sort out. There's no, there's no, it's the slowest moving fucking line in the world. Okay. And, uh, I just fucking freestyle it. I'm like, I'm not doing that either. I'm just going to go to the thing and say, I lost my fucking boarding pass and I got to hurry up. So that's what I did. Go straight to security. I'm like, oh shit, my boarding pass. I'm like, hey, can you help me out? Because this, that, and the other thing. I got work. You know, I got 70 people waiting for me that paid a bunch of money. Like 70, so, huh? Well, yeah. Directionally, I said about 70, which is directionally accurate. Because <laughs> 28 is closer to 70 than fucking 1 million. You got to understand. Anyways, get through and uh, red eye on spirit fucking airlines, which is terrible. Don't, I, I don't survive it. So red eye, get into Florida, rent a car, two hour drive to the seminar. And I roll up just like shit fucking pushed in twice, dude. Very bad, very bad and not in a very good place. But I roll up and as soon as I fucking, it's the first time I think I met Paula. Probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I roll up and as soon as you kind of smell the mats, smell the chalk and fucking see the people, it's just like I went fucking monk. And it was autopilot. And I, I feel like we smashed that seminar, dude. There's people still at that seminar that were like, that are, you know, their mind was blown. And I realized at that point, like, I figured it out. I had found my voice. What Ruiz was talking about had happened. And somewhere, I don't know how it happened, but it, like, my only, my, I can only speculate reps, you know? I don't know if you had the same moment or if there's a, a vent that you hit, but like up until that point, which this is what, Tampa 2013, this has been, fucking two years almost on the on this gig. So I probably have been to 15, 15 whacks at this thing, right? And living on the West Coast with John and being able to practice and shit like that, that's how long it took me to finally be like, oh, now I'm there, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe roughly the same time. So two separate experiences. Number one was Ireland when we hit up Dublin. Mm-hmm. And, dude, I don't know whether it was travel or something I – just that's probably my worst seminar so you can mark that down as the worst and you were you were just fucking steaming at me so whether it was poor leading of their expectations or experience or just something there which one was this was this galway galway yeah yeah but we flew into dublin mm-hmm. so uh you're probably pissed off because after our guinness tour well we did a guinness tour what you got to do like when, listen when you went in rome right yeah. And what, how does the Guinness tour conclude, Tex? Seven Guinnesses. No, it's supposed to. You get a Guinness ticket to go have a Guinness at the top in the 360 bar. Because you work your way or up. Or you go and learn how to pour. Yeah, which I did, and I'm a master craftsman. When the best of class, though, went mm, to me. I don't know. that You know, you don't, can't trust those people, those, the Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> Most trustworthy people. But uh, so Tex and I are at the bar. Yeah, Galaxy 360. With with the intent of sipping a Guinness, telling some stories, game plan, and hit Galway. And then a work party comes up to us of like 10 people, and they're like, hey, we're so hungover. Do you guys want our drink tickets? I'm like, yeah, all right, we could do a second Guinness. And it was like, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Fourteen fucking tickets fall in front our laps. So and, and this is like ten a.m. So we're like, all right, well, it looks like we got a long day at the three sixty. And then like uh, foreigners, Germans, English people, they came up because they just wanted to hang out with Americans, and their wives were not drinking. Mm-hmm. So then they gave us their wives tickets because they just wanted to have a beer with mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So that was a long day led into this seminar, right? And we drove, so we had to then drive from mm-hmm. we. Luke then had to drive from mm-hmm. Dublin. So, no, we didn't drink fucking 15 beers and drive, people. But you have more than you plan on. Chill out. Fucking get some grub. And then, yeah, text goes straight into fucking nap time. And it's like two and a half hours solo drive across the country. And then couldn't sleep. Remember that? Yeah. You know, you got your car nap, couldn't sleep. Then we were driving around Ireland from three till the seminar started. Pop in and go. Because it was literally zero sleep. And we didn't see the light for. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you think the light is your ally? Darkness. Uh, <laughs> um, but my my worst was fucking New Zealand, dude. Ben and I did uh, went on a New Zealand tour where we did one weekend in uh, Sydney. How do we do this? Yeah, we hit Sydney. Did it at at the time uh, uh, Daz's place and Blocker. It's since changed. CrossFit creature. Then we went to Newcastle and did Occupy Strength. And then from Newcastle, we went to New Zealand to do a seminar. It's like and, three weeks? Yeah. So three weekends, two weeks. Uh, but at Newcastle, I, like somehow I got like, I, all, I just think I didn't wash my hands and I fucking ate something with my hands. And I think I caught a gym bug and got fucking deathly ill going into New Zealand, the adventure capital of the world. So what do Ben and I do rather than fucking go on the mend? We go adventure. The whole fucking week. And then seminar time comes. And like, I'm on nothing. I got nothing. I'm like, Benny, I gave it all on the fucking, on the the jet boat, on the bungee jumping, on the fucking canyoning. On ev- Like, I gave it all, man. I'm like, I will do whatever I can. So we're, I was just sick. I couldn't eat. I like, wasn't holding in fluids, you know? And uh, so the boys at New Zealand, you know, we had maybe a crew of 30. Ben fucking shouldered it. And I was just sitting in the corner and I would go through these waves of energy. And just it, because it's a lot of work, people being up there and putting on this experience. I'm not lying, but uh, as Ben, like as I would get some energy, I just give him the sign, and he would tap me in, and I just pick up where he left off, and he'd get a 20, 30 minute break, and I'd power down, and I'd tap him in. But it was just dog shit. I couldn't fucking do it. And then I can't think of a seminar I flopped. Because dude, you know me. Like every seminar we walk away from, how do I feel about it? I'm like, eh. yeah, uh, you're a perfectionist. Uh, I don't know, man. I think we could have done better. So it's hard to delineate where we really could have done better and where I just wanted to do better, you know? Unless you genuinely, or unless you, I'm pointing at myself, do genuinely not well. Yeah. And then you're like, no. And you're honest, which I do appreciate. You're not trying to, yeah. Well, it's a fucking get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, broke, basically broke one off of me for Ireland because I just was not connecting, whether it was the travel, whether it was whatever it was. And then uh, it was a uh, side pillar to starfish. And then I was doing warm up three, which that was a part of. And then you did change direction. And so it was um, inability, my inability to prepare the change direction. And then you just fucking broke me off for a terrible warm up sec- segment. And then it was like, well, what do you mean? So I was looking one to one before that moment. And then 
you just made this one connection between the starfish and then the change of direction and how important kind of trunk was through frontal plane. And then just like all these synapses started firing about all the connections there. Mm -hmm. So that led into me looking at a different perspective instead of just understanding all these chunks, looking at the themes, the flow and how it all fits together and how just movement is movement, how the primals are not just actions of the hip or the upper body. It's, preparing you for these bigger, more dynamic displays, which then um, the moment that it all came together was the opportunity to then go balls deep and basically live, live with Raph and get my ass kicked, but then teaching seminars throughout that experience, one, to stay alive and eat, mm -hmm. and two, to just see, live experience kind of raps perspective and then where that had influence within the the crossfit football experience mm -hmm. uh and so then the i i don't know best are we on the best yeah let's go best gym best gym yeah so we get to travel around and see like some really fucking bitching facilities yeah and uh for me i got a three-way tie in between like the best facilities okay uh toluca and I'm also considering what these guys had to work with, right? Because so both of the two, there's two South American, Argentina and Colombia. So Toluca, CrossFit Toluca was fucking tight, dude. They did a great job with signage, great they job make, with location, merchandising. Yeah, they can't ship anything into Argentina yeah, because yeah, of the closed, closed customs. So that was a fucking, like it Google CrossFit, T-U-L-U-K-A. Those guys have it dialed in. Um, and then, uh, CrossFit Fuerza was put together fucking amazingly. Uh, Lucho was the guy who ran that when we were there. He's since, I think, peeled out, but, uh, CrossFit Fuerza was in Colombia, stands for power. Their building was like a three-story kind of warehouse type looking building. They blew out the ceilings and floors and painted it all fucking black. And their, their colors were black, white, and yellow. And on the fucking building, it was painted Fuerza, a yellow on black. And it was fucking epic. And you get in and every detail is accounted for there. You know, it was just a beautiful facility. Callie and I did that one. And then I know it's douchey, but one of my favorite fucking facilities is the second location across at Balboa where it now exists on New Hall where Ben runs it. And I don't know if it's because I helped drag in every fucking mat, help fucking tear down that rig and rebuild it with and not like I, 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 we, John, Ben, Sprague, the whole fucking crew and, uh, in our, the fucking the godfather roger you know like yeah dude and like the crew that helped build out everything like dude it was just an epic project you know what i mean and some of the best training went on there and it was the platform for my personal growth and you walk into that place and like it's not the cleanest it's not the fanciest but that shit doesn't like that shit does like it's niceties for me and as a gym owner and trying to sell clients you need that shit yeah i get it but i don't know there's fucking grit in there that that was Part, part of my grits in there, you know? So you go back to that place and it's laid out perfectly for a seminar. We built it for seminars. You know what I mean? We built yeah. it for team training and it was fucking epic. So I don't know what was, uh, can you think of facilities? Uh, I absolutely love Paula's Crossing yeah. Jaguar. Yeah. Um, amazing. Even for freaking as hot and humid as Tampa gets, just the layout allows for the breeze to happen. Yeah. It's money. Um, I don't know. We've been to a lot. Anyone that's got turf. Yeah. I'm super excited and happy for. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I'd say the the most challenging. I'm gonna push back on that. Oh, Mister Mister Evan Esh. Evan Esh has turf in his gym. Oh, it's but he, beautiful. It's in a fucking closet in the alley. We made it happen though. Uh, that we blew the crew up there. And uh, man, what was that kid's name? I still talk to him the too. The wrestler. Uh, not the wrestler. The the chef. Remember the chef? Yes, he tore his Achilles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm in touch with him. Yeah, I follow um, him on Instagram. Damn. All right. So what else do you have in terms of like highlights? I'm going to go international recap. That's what I got next to my notes. Let's fucking hit it. All right, people. So here's the, like I said, be a sponge. Embrace the culture. Because let me tell you why. If you start to push back and be a stupid American like we all are, uh, you don't get to see these beautiful countries for what they are. And like going back to your lesson learned on... um, Mind Muscle? Mind Muscle Project. Tex and I were just on a podcast called The Mind Muscle Project with our friends down in CrossFit Creature in Australia. We never fucking got a tour guide. We just kind of Googled and trip advisored and did it, right? So the most epic trip possibly was our first Germany trip. First, Drake, cross, Reebok, CrossFit, Nuremberg. Tex and I go. Uh, that's also amazing, Jim. Yeah, it's beautiful. Fucking go. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Drake puts us up, gets us a table at Oktoberfest. Long story short, uh, three days of Oktoberfest. When in Rome. And we just went and met fucking people. Uh, I, I didn't eat any pretzels, but I did drink beer. And we were all across the countryside, like with our good buddies, Stevie Orr and Bo Colombo, uh, who are much more internationally um, savvy savvy than we are. They've kind of backpacked around and knew, knew some stuff. But that was epic, dude. And just like, I don't even know how to explain it other than four friends enter. Yeah. <laughs> One makes it home. <laughs> exactly. This guy. Um and then that was September 2013. Then t- our first time in Argentina was November we, 2013. We got taken care of. Great host. Yeah, Luca. awesome, awesome host who just like bury in the culture. Um, what, anything memorable there other than just like 60 fucking Meat. people? Oh, dude, yeah, the fucking, uh, that Perilla. Dessert ribs. Yeah, dessert Blood ribs. sausage. Oh, man. Epic, epic. Oh. And then uh, Jan 2014 is Ireland where you got your fucking... A wake-up call. Which led me to then invest in Ruiz. So then shipped yeah. out February 2014 to actually get a learning experience. In February 2014, me and Callie went to Colombia. That's where I came across CrossFit Fuerza. And I watched the Super Bowl in Colombia with a bunch of fucking Guys Colombian dudes. Guys football is. Yeah. No, they had no clue. And, uh, and then they took us on a tour of the countryside. Dude, it was awesome. It was awesome. Great time. Uh, and again, like the hosts make this stuff. Uh, but text then from there is I think I, this might be the first time I met Harry Heptonstall in person. Who's guys, he's responsible for the, the, the visuals you see in uh, the power athlete uh, universe, I guess. But uh, that was in June 2014. And that was during the World Cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we had a lot of ciders and watched a lot of soccer. We don't normally watch soccer. Yeah. Yeah. So we go in and we are football. Um, and just kind of observed and made some connections. Remember watching that and making connections and understanding the moments of sport. And, you know, people always are like, oh, you know, rugby players run fucking 14 K soccer players run 10 K. So we got to run them that much in training. And it's like, no, you don't, you need to prepare them for the moment. Right. And you probably remember the team and the situation. Netherlands, Netherlands, that fucking amazing diving header Mm -hmm. dude fucking lobs it from midfield to a forward who's 
barreling down full speed. Trying to catch up. Trying to catch up and gives maximal, maximorium force production on a diving header for a goal, right? Mm-hmm. And I go, you know, we just kind of look back and we're like, how long was that distance? Hmm, 40 fucking meters. 40 fucking meters closing distance with one maximal effort jump. Those are the elements you're trying to fucking train people. You don't need to teach athletes how to go at idle pace. They develop that by doing it. What you're trying to do is build the performance trait to the highest level, the highest level of capability so that as fatigue and stress starts to wear that down throughout the season, it is higher than everything else other competitors, right? So that was kind of the... And they can call upon it to the exact degree necessary Mm -hmm. at the moment. Bingo. Uh, what else are we doing in the UK then? Do we do anything? Wrap with Harry. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a parking ticket, even though Luke was driving. The <laughs> reservation was under my name. Um, uh, suck it, Tex. And then, oh, shocker, people. We're a fan of the repeater. And if you, something works great the first time, you just keep on going until it doesn't. So we hit Germany again in 2014. Well, John and I did. Right. Because my passport got stolen on the way to the fucking airport. And this was like Texas, maybe one of your eight-mile moments. Yeah. Any, any, I'll tell you this. I have a lot of eight mile moments whenever it's John and I, uh, just there it's, I gotta be there. Um, so amazing speaker presenter, but then when it's a lot of the floor stuff, he's just going to sit back and observe the progress of us as coaches. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I, I'm all for it again. Freaking, uh, give me the, give me the long road. I'm, I'm in. Um, so this was a big one because freaking a lot of travel and then, situation went down I yeah just, so i i like we were in a rush we were behind schedule on our way to lax to fly out and uh we stopped i pulled my backpack out to shift around some baggage and pack up some shirts for the boys in uh germany and then go to john just fucking fires it up he's like let's go and i jump in and as soon as i shut the door like i hadn't shut the door john had already hopped the curb and got on the fucking freeway and i'm like fuck my fucking backpack so we whip around, do a U-turn, takes us 60 to 90 seconds because I left. I had pulled my backpack out, forgot to toss it in, and uh, the backpack was gone. And there was no time. There's no time. So No passport. There's no time. John had to go. So it's like, all right, well, no time to investigate. I'll do that on the flip. John, let's go. You're going to the fucking terminal. Boom. And I, as we're barreling down there, tax gets a call. Hey, you got to go back? Yeah. All right, be at the airport. Okay. Boom. Or and- your flight... Uh- <laughs> Your flight leaves in six hours. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That was the lead off. Yeah. yeah, we got you a flight. You're going to Germany. It's Oktoberfest. There are no, you know, figure your shit out. And so that's what he did and got the call and hit it again. Did a little Oktoberfest repeater. And I just and sat back. Literally repeater because we had to take a cab back from <laughs> Munich to Nuremberg for the second year in a row. Uh, which is a bad thing, people. Then we did, shocker, repeater, <laughs> hit Argentina again. In November Which was also a last-minute call. Was it? There was a scheduling conflict. Oh, dude, remember that? Remember, we thought it was the week after. Yes. And, yeah. And, it, yeah, something yeah. something had bumped so up. So HQ, or, uh, like, we had bumped it up on the HQ site, and I didn't update it in our master. So I fucked that up, and the host hits me up on a Thursday and is like, hey, uh, how are we looking for the seminar this weekend? I'm like, no, dude, it's... And then, like, something hit me. And I'm like, I fucking changed this, didn't I? Looked it up. Look at John. It's 6 a.m. We're supposed to be training. And uh, I'm like, uh, dude, I fucked this up. We need to mobilize now and leave tonight. And we made it happen and got out there, right? And fucking Tex got another 
Flight <laughs> leaves in six hours. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. Guess who tweeted at us? That oh. So why is this a milestone seminar? People, Tex and I not only did the last minute gig because I fucked it up, but I jumped on the plane and, uh, you know, I watched basically every rock movie on my way to Argentina that was on the, the TV deal. And then we get down there and we do some incline dumbbell jack. We were doing because jack we are on Jack Street. Yeah, we're on Jack Street on the bulk, which is our program where Tex and I decide to gain 20% body mass. And 10%, which is like oh, 20 pounds. Yeah. That's what it is. And uh, so we're doing some incline dumbbell presses. On a tire. With On a 70s. tire. With Only 70s. 70s because it's the heaviest. The heaviest they had. They didn't have a bench. So we improvised. And the kind of lesson was like, what would The Rock do? He'd fucking get his fucking jack street on. Yeah. So The Rock tweets back at us. Get it. Get it. Just exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. Yep. At Power Athlete HQ. Get it. Yeah, because so we were like, lo- like. So we're pretty tight with The Rock. Yeah. Needless Eight, to say. 18 hours of travels, eight rock movies under our belt. Yeah. No excuses. And then like a picture of us jamming. Yeah, dude. So that was fucking epic. And then uh, Feb 2015 rolls in. Uh, and I've got, what do I got here? Northern Ireland. For oh, you. That's, oh, that's Callie and I. Yeah, yeah. So quick story here. Callie's on the lean. So Luke and I are bulking. Callie's leaning. Yeah, so Life. let's just quick. I'll give you a quick fucking 30 second Jack street challenge formulated as I bet John, uh, after training, I could reach 260 before he could. And John's on the high end. John's on the high end. He's like 298 at the time. I'm one or two twenty five Maybe he's like, you fucking think so it's on, put your money where your mouth is. So I do it. And then we start like shaking out like details. I'm like, this should be a fucking team thing. So we basically wrap up. There's like eight of us involved at the time. Packy was one of them. Levi, Bobby, you, me, Callie, John. Anyone else? I feel like there might be one more person in there. Mr. Irrelevant, if they are. Those, that, sorry for you. If uh, miss, Mr. No, nothing? Mr. Nobody. Um, so half of us gain, half of us lean. We both saw this, follow the same programming. We each are tinkering with different nutritional protocols. This is where the bulking protocol was born from. The leaning protocol was born from. And Jack Street. Um, and Jack Street, the program, was born from. So these are those are the products that we push out. So we, But this was a fucking, we did this in November, I think is when we finalized it. And it was going through March. March. 22 weeks. 22 Jack 22 Street. weeks. That's right. So we are in the middle of this thing now. Texas in, Tex and I enjoy bulking in Argentina, the meat capital of the world, at all these perillas with just all you can eat for like fucking pennies, dude. And so Tex is on the bulk, Callie's on the lean, they're in Ireland, and take it. Well, Callie's flight was delayed, so you leave me with my people for one night. I had a fucking great time. So I walked the beer mile in Belfast. That's from Queen's University all the way to the oldest bar in Dublin. And you just get a drink on the way there and a drink on the way back. It's a good time. <laughs> Highly recommend it. And then Callie shows up the next day, but she does. she's leaning. She can't drink a Guinness. She can't drink a beer. She can't enjoy herself. So I'm sitting here drinking alone with this buddy, and uh, it's just not just Debbie Downer. As fun an experience as it could have been, Callie. I'm sorry. Yeah, listen, Callie, I get it because Ashley said the same thing about me on Sunday. We just had our weigh-ins for corporate swellness. She's like, you are a miserable person. I'm like, I just know how Callie felt now. You know? Oh, yeah. Empathy. So there you go, Callie. <sighs> but, I mean, needless to say, Andy puts on a good show, and we're going back. In August. That's right. Yeah, back in Northern Ireland. Um, 
but that we also did a repeater there because oh, I'm into right. March 2015 near the, <laughs> the pinnacle of uh, uh, like the closing of the Jack Street Challenge. Tex and I have Cape Town, South Africa. Never forget. Right. So at least for me flying from L.A., including the layover, this is a 30 plus hour travel experience. And like, here's the thing. I'm tipping the scales at 250 at this point. So I'm well beyond. And like, I'm, my intention is to just kind of like get as strong as I can. And I'm right now I'm supposed to be in the middle of just like trying to shed fat. Right. But I don't sleep. I go into like a diabetic fucking situation. I can't sleep. I'm too fucking heavy. My ass is numb. My feet are numb. I have to get up and move and around. Didn't you run and into? Yes. I connect through Heathrow and I got a buddy Bo Colombo you heard us talk about him a little bit who's been living in Australia so he's in the time zone so I just hit him up to kill some time and I'm like hey what are you doing he's like ah fucking visiting Lou's parents which is his bird who lives in London I'm like you're in fucking London right now and it's also his birthday so I'm wishing him a happy birthday he's like uh he's like yeah man um fucking stuck in customs I'm like what I'm like dude I'm in fucking Heathrow right now he's like you're in Heathrow Bing, bing, boom. He gets through customs. I decide to go through customs. I have eight hours here. And for his birthday, we go just fuck. I haven't seen the guy in eight months, maybe. We just sit there and catch since, up. Since Oktoberfest? Or no? Maybe. Maybe. So we're, we're just posted up at, at an airport bar, him and his girlfriend and myself. And we catch up and we cover, you know, eight months worth of, um, I guess, what what have we missed, right? And he's given me some insight on South Africa because he's always wanted. He's a backpacker type of dude. He's always wanted to. Uh, he's always wanted to just go there, and I and he hasn't. He's like, tell me how lucky I am and what we got to do. Yada yada yada. Well, anyways, long story short, Tex and I fucking make it there. But that second leg for me, dude, was from Heathrow down to Cape Town was like a twelve hour gig overnight red eye type deal. The most turbulence that you could fucking imagine. So and no TV. No, nothing, dude. So it's like, it was a rough, rough flight. And then touchdown, bing, bang, boom. I don't remember. Did you beat me to the hotel or did I beat you? See, here's how bad my travel was. I blacked it out. I pushed it. <laughs> I suppressed it. So I don't have an answer for you. But I know we did meet up at the hotel. And then we went to the gym and we met up with Yopst, who's great, great host down there. That ended up being a really great crew. We dabbled in a local delicacy called the Cronut. Do you remember that little guy? Yes. So donut croissant hybrid, which dude is so far off of my like uh, my mo- my most palatable food. Like I'm not a donut guy. I'm just not into it. I'm not into deadlifts. I'm not into donuts. Those are just the two D's. I do not. I do not tickle. But all other D's you tickle. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was good, dude. You know, and like, dude, it's just it was great. And then we hit Tabletop Mountain. Should have hiked it. But we took we the, should have done a lot of things that trip. <laughs> I know. And then you remember fucking Bobby hit us up after that trip telling us about the marks. And we were marked. Remember we got marked. So basically there's a, a scam that they'll play on you in Cape Town and other, other I guess, areas in that kind of that region where uh, you're considered street meat. And bartenders collaborate with some of the the ruffians in the alleys in the streets and they, they'll overserve people and text some guys and let them know that uh, a mark is coming out. Well, text got marked because he got overserved. Well, it was St. Patrick's Day. Yes, that is true. It was St. Patty's after the seminar. It's my people's we went holiday. And, and we were like, hey, let's see what the locals do. So we did it. 
right? But anyways, overserved. Well, actually, we have a tradition. Which is, yes, every country that we go to, you check out their Mexican food and their Irish pubs. Mm-hmm. So it was Irish pub on St. Patrick's Day in South Africa. Let's do it. And uh, I, I'll cut this short story short, but long, you know, we're, we're we're walking down the street. It's like eleven, maybe midnight, right? And Texas rumbling and stumbling, and I'm I'm you know got him by the collar and kind of walking him home. And it's maybe a half mile walk, Tex. That was it to get back to our hotel King Street. Yeah, and I kind of noticed two ruffian looking cats up front, just kind of pacing us and doing the old six o'clock check, seeing what we're doing, and I. Kind of head on a swivel, look behind us. There's another two dudes, two cats, two two in the front, two in the fat, two in the back. That front door, back door, and then this bird swings up out of nowhere, grabs me and you by the arm. She's like, "Hey, fellas, want to have a good time?" And I'm like, "Well, actually, thanks for asking. We already had a good time. Nice to meet you. I bid you adieu," and decide to walk forward. And I pull everything out of Texas back's pockets and jam it in my front pocket. Pull my stuff out of my back pocket, put it in my front pocket because I feel like we're about to get swooped. The, the window is closing, Tex. Doesn't really remember because he's struggling, but the window is closing. Our front door is kind of slowing down. Our back door is speeding up. And just about this time, when I'd say they're probably 30 feet on either end of us, a bouncer sprints out from a bar, American dude, big American dude, and pulls us in and kind of shoes away the, the hyenas. He's like, dude, you guys were marked. You were, almost, you were about to get mugged. And I'm like, I kind of had that feeling, and I didn't really know what I was going to do about it. You know what I mean? Post text up at a bar and for maybe the next 30, 45 minutes they're feeding them water. And this bouncer is out there trying to find a reliable cab driver to take us the next fucking 400 feet to our hotel. Cause he's like, no, you guys, there's no way. So we end up, you know, it's like a 400 foot cab drive and we pay this guy 20 us, which is like fucking, you know, how many rupees? I don't know. Uh, but, uh, and then we get back safely and the next day was shark diving. Remember that? We got that killer 15-second inter- Instagram video because back then there was no such thing as one minute. Nope. It was all 15-second work. I guess we could do a little remake. Maybe do like bring it back. Yeah, I got all all the video. So probably about 30 minutes. And probably the most hilarious piece of this whole thing <laughs> is so everybody gets one run. There's three runs when you go out into the boat. Uh-huh. Naturally, Luke and I volunteer to go in first. We're yeah, going. let's do it. <clears throat> So we're down there. Awesome. Sharks are rattling cages. They're going off in front of us. Like they're even doing that crazy thing where they jump out out of the water. And then our second second run, we go on top of the boat. And so we can get an aerial view of these people's experience. You could see all the sharks. There was like eight different freaking 18-foot great whites. It was yeah, amazing. It was, and we're trying to get the double bicep selfie. Right. So we are anticipating <laughs> this come from underneath yeah, like shark thing. Breaching and surfacing. The breaching. Breaching is the word I'm looking for. But you can't see that happening. Mm-hmm. So the the beauty of the breach is it goes so fast. And the, the guy baiting these sharks, he can't whip. He can't tease the sharks fast enough. Uh-huh. So that's when it goes. So we're just holding the selfie, selfie stick, stick. Double bicep pose on video because we're going to grab a frame. In like for 12 for, minutes. Yeah. So we're going back reviewing this video. It is the douchiest shit. Just us. Eh, it's not that douchey. But the money shot was... The shark breached, and I was like enthralled because it was amazing to see right in front of you. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the wherewithal to like turn around and smile, but Luke crushed it. Yeah. So the pick, it. the pick is Luke flexing armband, mm-hmm. and I'm As just is tradition. Like wow, 
And then you remember, good. remember the good boat show. ride home? We were sitting up front also, like we taking also the rough video ride. Of that, yeah. And I got fucking booted and almost went like flipped out from under the fucking railing. Oh, it, that was so we sat in front of the speedboat, <laughs> barely holding onto the rail, yeah. like wet suits, wet everything, and like we were leaving. We our ass left the boat. Yeah, like, on yeah, these freaking waves, dude. So we could have easily fallen off into the world capital of great white shark yeah, diving, the Southern Cape. Anywho. Yeah, dude, that that was an epic trip, but the travel was rough, and the yeah. tri- the trip home was just I'm, as rough as the back. trip out. Yeah, I won't go back because the travel. So rough. I think I would go back if you didn't have to. If you could break the the legs up a little bit, like do something in London for a week and then kick down, you know what I mean? But who's got that kind of time? You do. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> and then uh, that leads us on my my final stop here, Tex. At least in the timeline is, uh, I think the the fir- was it the only. No, no, it was one of the, it was one of two, it was the first seminar we held at Power Athlete HQ in Costa Mesa, mm-hmm. in the Mecca, where the magic happens, which is another, like, one of my favorite gyms for I, much more different reasons, though, you know what I mean? Like, it's the birthplace, bro, it's the incubator, and uh, it just so happened you had planned a trip out as well, so it was, that one was just me and Levi, Levi was an intern who's, you know, getting his, <laughs> He decided to drop out of our development program to go get his PhD. Yeah, he's um, got a kid or whatever. Yeah, got a, two kids now and oh, still calls us about. You know, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, hey, he, Levi, if you're listening to this, lose my number, man. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the the, tran- the action of the shoulder through the transverse plane during a horizontal push. I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Any, anywho. Uh, so, but meanwhile, like while I'm out there blowing people's minds, which is what I do, what's text doing? Well, me and John, the incubator. Yeah. Me and John were stuck in the office for four days and we were not going to come out until we developed a master plan and kind of a a path, a route and educational experience for the power athlete Academy. So what you will see online, the Academy has evolved into, instead of just a course, instead of just the methodology, we're also going to use it as a platform to deliver any educational experience. We're going to seek out the, the masters of leadership, masters of throwing, transverse playing, all different forms of training, and deliver it in an educational experience. The keystone, though, for this is going to be the power athlete methodology levels, different courses. Uh, so John and I worked out this kind of educational experience. I like to refer to it as vertical integration. Oh, God. Versus traditional education, right? So you, you would sign up for English 101. You would take that, and it would be all English. Then you'd go into uh, physics or anatomy and just have that level. But where does the English fit into that? Or where does the math, where does the physics fit into this? So what we decided to do is kind of go a, a piece-by-piece approach as you're going one level. It's, it's all the levels of information that you need progressing through your development so we are not neglecting one for the other or focusing on one block it's going to be a uh, kind of guided educational experience as it will unfold and this is the beauty of it as it unfolds in a strength and conditioning program yeah practice in the practical practical and you start to see this stuff as you're implementing the program instead of just you know drinking from a fire hose from a two-day so what Tex and john are talking about here is vertically Vertical integration. No, listen, it's not because that's like a manufacturing term and like positioning. Listen, it's concurrent learning model, and this is where these guys are just, you know, I don't even know. It's like I'm sitting here playing cards with my brother's kids or something. It's like a continuum, (laughs) but Uh, the continuum is more like a heartbeat. No, because it's an EKG. Don't don't do it. Don't do it, John. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But um, 
And all the beauty, and then that, so this is August 2015. Yeah, it's August 2015, and that rolled out into a practical trial run, right? a test run. Yeah, so we we gave about six months. Uh, John and I went back and forth, and then laid it all out, and then we had some pilots, some test drivers for this thing, mm-hmm. ten individuals, ten brave souls that then stepped up to the plate, and this was a lecture format. And so what we discovered, it was kind of uh, here's the information but how it's delivered and we started on the base level, but we realized mm-hmm. there's a level underneath the base level. A lot, a lot of levels, a lot of levels, but it uncovered a couple things, mm-hmm. right? One is that you cannot pull everybody up to a hyper velocity of learning. One person prevailed, right? In terms of the information mm-hmm. out of the 10. And we just wanted a higher rate than that. So that let us know it's got to kind of be in at your own pace within a given window. Number two is accommodating different learning styles. Yes. So the paradigm of learning, uh, you know, see, spoke, or, you know, written, visual, spoken, reading, reading comprehension as it relates to discussion versus reading comprehension and writing assignments. So it all just kind of shook out and we didn't have a good way of, of balancing all of those styles at once until technology presented an opportunity for us as we were going back to rewrite this thing, yeah. which is where we landed at today. You know, and that's what the course is now. We have video lecture. Uh, we're going to have written discussion. We're going to have, you know, video office hours and just, you know. Interaction with the students. Exactly. Amongst the students and with the students. Yeah, so yeah. so it's good stuff in that sense. And I'm excited for it. And, you know, that that ultimately enabled us to have 10 people who had the information to a point where they could assist in seminar. And the sad part behind this is... This is where Tex and I, for the most part, terminated our tandem traveling because we would be us in a, in a developmental uh, coach. So Tex would take an intern and I would take an intern. And we'd go do our things, right? So that's where the stories really end there, folks. But we need a little time machine because there's even more to the story, right? Tex, oh. take us back. Yes. So uh, I want to pull up OKC round two. So we talked about our first experience, my first experience there was you and Ben show, but then we had the opportunity to go to Coda CrossFit and our boy Chad Hamilton, uh, Athletes Media. And uh, this is where we had some fun just to kind of discovered some, some different questions to ask each other. Well, yeah, because well, what happened? We're trying to explain this idea we're trying to delineate work capacity from athleticism. Yes. So we got to. Okay. So let's just do that real quick. Work capacity is increased. You know, your, the amount of work you can do within a given time period. It's yeah. work. It's fitness, and it, it changes people's lives. And I'm not discrediting it. And I don't think anyone on our team would discredit work capacity. But it is a, it is a parody. It is a singular bit. It is not woven in, when you just do that, right? And this comes back to Tex and I's, Mai's narrative of being overpowered and outrun. Yeah. Because one of the attendees. Couldn't connect it in text. You take it from here, so man. So it was part of the conversation. And then this is, again, uh, you know, traveling answer questions. You learn to pick up a social intelligence pretty fast, which is the ability to answer someone's questions or connect on their level to kind of see where their perspective is coming from to help answer or guide. Mm-hmm. So I was always, at this point, referencing and looking back to sport because that's my background. That's Luke's background. That's John's background. That's Callie's background. So all of our backgrounds that we had at these conversations with but this individual's only background was fitness mm-hmm. or training. So 
he just uh, he couldn't understand why top end speed, why maximal power, while strength, and uh, he just could only see of how much work he could do in a short window, or a long window, twenty minutes, and so we were just trying to find a way to communicate that it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how much work you can do in a short amount of time. If for one instant at any game, if you can call upon whatever ability you have in the moment to outwit, outmove, outperform your opponent, you will be successful. Mm-hmm. And so it's only in those moments when you give everything, absolutely everything you have. You trained all the hours, all the, the lifts, everything you suffered, you sacrificed. And in that moment, you gave your top end, but it wasn't even good enough. You were overpowered, you were outrun, you were outscored, and it was just fucking baby games for the opponent because they are that much better than you. So we have talked about now training. Why? What's the purpose? Mm-hmm. It's not the emotional relative maximal RPE. It's being in a position for that moment where you can call upon your strength, your power, and your speed, your maximal abilities. And if you fall, right, if you fall to the level of your training, our training was so sound, so just ingrained in you, you are catching toes forward, that you stand a chance against someone that is more athletic than you, the LeBron James of the world. And in the instance with that, you can call upon the strength, power, and speed. You can overcome your genetic potential and just rise to the occasion, that, that white noise, that moment. You can outplay your abilities, the Malcolm Butlers, the Santonio Holmes catching in the Super Bowl, and freaking uh, Julian, Ed- Julian Eld- Edelman this Super Bowl. You can't practice that. The dude is not going to freaking rise and get drafted in the first round of the combine. He was a freaking quarterback at Kent State. Nobody saw him kind of putting the team on his back in that moment, in an instant. So that's what we're preparing for. The athletes that don't have the God-given abilities, we're just putting everyone else, the athletes that we actually have an opportunity to train, not the five stars, to put them in a position to rise to the occasion and above their genetic potential for just one moment. And that was the birthplace, just that discussion and that, that bar napkin, you know, when we're out there just after dinner, go to the hotel bar, have one drink, kind of start talking shop on this stuff because it was a, it was an interesting conversation we had with the guy and we want me Tex and I wanted to continue it. And this is where really the birth of hanging our hat on athleticism. That's where the, the spark ignited the fire right and that's where this whole thing behind athleticism and that's the whole point is to unlock athletic potential that's where it started was at a hotel bar uh two ciders and then those persian cats who were there for like a bachelor party or something like what were they doing there i don't know but they floated up marriott and we were telling them this story and they're like well i don't understand tell us more and through this discussion we had with these guys over drinks was was the formulation of this idea, you know? And it's allowed us to build a, put a platform together to build everything else off of. And, you know, as I look at this now in this course, and, you know, I said it was kind of a bitter, a sad day that Tex and I, you know, we part ways on our traveling journeys, but really what it's afforded us to do is create this curriculum where, you know, we're looking at 30 events a year, only going up to 50 to 70 to 100. Tex and I, dude, we're not traveling that shit. The people coming out of this methodology course, they're going to be the ones doing this work. They're going to be the ones enlightening themselves and building that social intelligence. And, you know, I'm looking at my timeline here. First seminar, December uh, 2011 that I worked. The first one I attended was Feb, right? 
that moment where I realized I had it in Tampa, where I was finally in a position to learn was two years later. Yeah. We, that's too long. And that's what the course now affords us is you pack, I don't know, hundred people at a time, 400 people a year through this and you get 50% of those people ready to learn in yeah. fucking what? Six, eight months with this workbook. That's just basically, you know, what would you have done for that workbook? When uh, that one fateful day, when you after the chili cheese chase, what would you have done? And said, "All right, you're in. Here's your seminar. Here's your workbook." I would have ate another cheesesteak, dude. It would have Five. been a game changer. Think of where we could have been. But you know what? Without that stress and without that grit and without that battle, this but thing the, wouldn't exist. In in my notes, guys, I take like crazy random notes here, just by chance. The there's there's a concept called the dissemination of information that you reach. Not only us pushing information out, it's also information coming back. Mm -hmm. So that when we talk about athleticism or training strength and conditioning coaches, we not only want to put the information out there, we want it to come back to us. And what I mean by that is people take the power athlete methodology level one. If there's something that adds to it, if there's a better way to say this, or I discovered this through bedrock, my application of bedrock mm -hmm. from reading this understanding we're going to have an epiphany. It, it's information coming back to us or how we can do something better or dive deeper, but it's the same principles, it's the same concepts. So that's what we want is not just two idiots talking at a bar. Mm -hmm. like, we want some Persian dudes to come up and ask us questions. Waiting on the Persian guys <laughs> to ask us random questions. No, it, it's going to be a whole community of people who are talking about the same concepts, but we're diving deeper because the stuff that we are teaching at the CFSSA or discussing on the podcast, that's just scratching the surface. Mm -hmm. And if people understand the surface, it allows us to go deeper and deeper because information is going back and forth. And there's this general, genuine understanding because people understand the information. It allows us to go deeper into it because we're not repeating the same thing on a cycle over and over again. It frees us up to go deeper, which then a lot of people know the base level. I feel like I'm talking in circles now, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, bro. Yeah, and it, it allows us to really see what the, the power athlete methodology is about. Mm -hmm. And what's, uh, what's amazing in just hanging out and talking with John, he says a lot of stuff and assumes that everybody knows it. And we're like, no, dude, that's... that was a gem. Yeah. I've been hanging out with you five years. Mm -hmm. We drank a lot of ciders together. Where was this? Yeah. And then we can go research it and dive into it and apply it to athletes apply it to general population see how it all unfolds from these different populations and just get deeper mm -hmm. instead of just three guys sitting around a freaking luke's dinner table which is pretty nice homemade yeah, that's right made of wood real sturdy what it's concrete but um yeah we can dive deeper and further and into this crazy thing and that's what i'm excited for yeah no it's a new it's a new beginning right and i guess that's kind of what the this talk was about is our beginnings all right, Jesus Christ, we've been going for fucking two and a half hours. That's a lot of... I do got a joke. That's a lot of blah, blah. Oh, so you have a joke you're going to tell now. Yeah, one okay. of my top five movies of all time, okay. Kingpin. Right. So the, the woman there, the, the female actress in there is driving with Woody, Woody Harrelson, and she's like, what do you think about New Beginnings? And she's referencing, like, leaving her life behind and all this stuff, and he's like, New Beginnings? Is that the new uh, feminine hygiene spray? That's the joke. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's a movie quote. I know. It's funny. Uh, I just don't. I, when people I, talk about new beginnings, I just think of a fat, bald Woody Harrelson <laughs> with one hand. Dude, one of the. I don't want to get Munson up here. You know, up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> yeah. 
you're on a, what was it? Gravy train with biscuit, biscuit wheels. There's a shit cloud coming. Yeah. I think I can smell That's it. sweeter than you who. Dude, right. there are so many movie quotes from We got to lock it up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As always, Power Athlete Radio, premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Conditioning. Ing. 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 Right. And uh, I don't know. Hey, if you think you want to be on this, on this gravy train. With uh, biscuit wheels. With biscuit wheels. Academy.powerathletehq.com. And uh, get out to a fucking SSA seminar, CrossFit Sports Specific Application. What does that even mean? It means, hey, if you're a CrossFit gym or a CrossFit coach or a CrossFit tour uh, and you want to learn how to specifically apply this to a specific goal, we're going to shave away the fat and give you the fastest way to get the what you want out of the CrossFit jam uh, so you can just get out there and do your thing. So that's all I got, Tex. I don't have any jokes or movie quotes, but... I'll tell you this. I mean, we can keep going for a couple of hours. <laughs> it's been a hell of a couple hours. All right, thanks, people. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you later. Bye. Tell you later. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. No, seriously, it's time. Whether you're like Luke and I who relocated all the way across the country from our glorious home states to California, or maybe you're like Tex, who's taken every internship opportunity possible. Some people truly just have that passion for coaching and performance and it motivates them to do some crazy things. And honestly, when you have the balls to let that passion drive you, you end up taking more risks and risks that are actually worth taking. And inevitably, that's gonna intersect you with people worth knowing. Perhaps you'll find yourself en route to Texas to start your journey with Power Athlete or maybe even another training system somewhere else. Either way, if you're sitting there, you know, rocking nothing but a pair of power athlete socks and some free kill cliff shades that you got at the CrossFit Games, and you're thinking, you know what? Callie's right. It's because I am. I'm fucking right. So fuel the fire, my friend. Fuel the fire. Until next time. Bye.